0: episode of the Electric Underground Podcast, but since it's sort of a video edition, I don't know what you call that, maybe Electric Underground Talk Show. And joining me today, I have Shmup Junkie and also Ed Tremblay from Studio Mud Prince. Welcome to the show, my dudes.
1: Welcome, Mark. Good to be with you again. How yeah, you I
0: know. I've been getting a lot of requests, people messaging me, hey, when's Shmup Junkie coming back on the channel? And I was like, <laughs> well, as, as, as soon as I can nag him into doing it, that, that's always the answer. Uh, I've never
1: said no. I've always been there.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Everyone, yeah, Schmup Junkie is really awesome to work with, and also it's been a very long time. But in the OG days of the Electric Underground, before I was on YouTube, when I was on SoundCloud and I had 200 listeners, uh, Ed <laughs> made an appearance on the OG episode, uh, OG episodes of the Electric Underground, and so episode welcome 12, back to the I show.
2: Believe. Yeah, thanks for having me back.
0: Yeah, no, it's really it's been a long time and uh I'm really excited to kinda of catch up with you two. So today's episode, for people wondering, is all about shmup YouTubing and the shmup YouTube life. And I thought rather than me ranting on about, you know, my own gripes and thoughts and projections and stuff, I thought it'd be great to also get you two involved because different perspectives, different experiences, uh different styles of YouTubing. And I think this is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a super long time. So I'm really excited to and get into today's episode so i thought let's begin by uh let's just have you two introduce yourselves let everyone know a kind of a, about your channels what you're all about all that good stuff Much smoke
1: take the floor here you do okay i was gonna say you can go first but if you want i'll go, <laughs>
2: yeah, go i
1: don't ahead. have uh my, um, my story is short i guess i don't have too much to say i've only been doing this for maybe a year and a half i started back in 2019 late 2019 almost 2020. um literally just to make PC Engine mini reviews. Um, yes, I, was I remember. With, talked about it and um, it just did really well. It kind of took off. I had fun with it and, you know, people kept asking, wanting more. And I slowly grew up from there. I didn't really have any grand desires or expectations. But, I, you know, obviously I'm pretty thrilled with where it's gone and what we've been able to do. So uh, that's where I'm at. I'm the noob here.
0: That's right. Yeah, you're the, you're the new hot kid on the block for sure. <laughs> Your channel is absolutely popping off. And you have such a you already you have such a uh, passionate fan base. I get people met. I'll get people randomly DMing me on Discord. Be like, yo, Shmup Junkie's awesome. It's like, definitely. My <laughs> d-. It's like, yeah, don't have to tell me. Um, usually after our episode, like after you come on the episodes and stuff, they, people are like, we want more. We want him in every episode, every single episode featuring Shmup Junkie, basically.
1: Well, if anything, I always feel like I'm boring on podcasts because I'm just not used to it. Like the ones that I've done with you, like I almost felt like, you know, I should have done more or been more entertaining or something like compared to what I do in the videos. But I'm just I'm still kind of getting comfortable with it because it's not regular for me. I haven't been doing it like. Yeah,
0: it's a it's a totally different medium than doing like scripted, edited videos and all that sort of stuff. And it's kind of funny because. I learned a lot from your channel when it came out and you did all the excellent editing you do in your channel and everything. I was like, oh, shit, I need to start doing some of this because uh, early on, I was just like ranting at a camera and that that has a uh, limited appeal, unfortunately.
1: And you have and you have. I've totally noticed it in like, the later <laughs> episodes with the intros and the, all yes. the other stuff you've been doing. You get, you're definitely doing.
0: Yeah. Sometimes when I'm like thinking about, OK. I need some ideas for editing. I'll look at your channel and be like, "Oh, that's a great that's a great idea to do it." And I don't have the technical skills you still do, but like just the general ideas behind things. Your channel's helped me out a lot with that.
1: I do the same thing. I watch other people's videos and other like big channels and stuff and try to steal ideas and get ideas all the time. So,
0: yeah, def- definitely. And so um Sir Flash, how's it been going? Or sorry, I'm always say Sir Flash. Uh, Ed, how's it been going?
2: <laughs> I mean, not too bad I, i'm kind of the polar opposite of shmup junkie i've been around the block so long that it almost feels as if my audience is a lot of my old audience is sort of forgotten about me sort of right. left in the
0: past i've been i've been thinking uh, about that a lot actually um but yeah go, yeah, go ahead
2: um i mean we, i want to say that we were visionary trailblazers kind of laying the groundwork for everything that sort of happened within the recent years of uh, of shoot 'em ups uh, sort of building and building a little bit of the appeal anyways um you know uh, formulating things that sort of fell into sort of a groove and you know create the sort of an expectation of what a sh- uh, what a shoot 'em up review should be in the long form of things um but i mean yeah it's it's just it's been such a very long time that I almost forget my origins myself because you know thirteen years on the platform. Uh,
0: That's OG. Not even starting out as yeah.
2: reviews, eh? It was just a just a blog at first. So like Shmup Junkie uh, said here that um you know, he started just doing mini uh, PC engine reviews. Me it was just 5-minute uh, blogs on games that I liked playing just because I I did a lot of shoot 'em ups in my really old web series casually hardcore. Uh, I've decided to sort of focus on those specifically and they overtook the old series and became the new flagship and that's where i've been for over a decade
0: yeah and i've watched your channel actually for a super long time kind of alongside classic game room at um <laughs> i mean i wouldn't compare you to too much but kind of the same era though right like classic Game yeah, Room, no, I, your I mean, channel similar like peers in that era
2: you're not too far off i uh i looked at uh classic game room and sort of Tried to get kind of an idea of what to do from those videos and then sort of tangent it off and do my own sort of thing. Try to be a little more unique so that so as not to seem as if I was taking too much from it.
0: Yeah. And one of my favorite things about your really older views, like your really old school ones, is the part where you talk about the price of the games and you just like. Yeah. Damn, <laughs> you remember the, those? those are, you're like, you can pick up Don Punch on PS One for twenty dollars. You're like, holy yeah. shit! <laughs> Where and those the, thing, the days? They,
2: they make very good time capsules in that sort of regard, but I don't know that that sort of thing has a place anymore. Like it's it, it's j- just because of how things have exploded and how things have gotten a little sort of uh, unreasonable at market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that, that's that's something that I try not to do anymore. Um, I just give it more of a a general value uh as opposed to like an, a definite price, like I'll show the prices every now and again, uh, but I won't actually uh, touch on the prices as to whether or not they're good because it could change once again, yeah, in the yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. You almost have to like get out your investment portfolio, you know it's like <laughs> you get, and put like a little disclaimer on the screen. This is not investment advice, you know
2: <laughs> no, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> be, be, be ready to sell uh, sell an organ on the black market, kind of thing
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like even get
2: really responsible with your money.
0: Yeah, even stuff that I wouldn't think would be all that popular. Like like Dodampache on the PS1. I mean, how many people really care about that port particularly? Compared to yeah. the Saturn version? But that thing that thing holds steady at a hundred. I watch it almost every other month because 'cause I'm like, come on. Get, drop already so I can buy you at a cheap price, but uh There's yeah, it's been just a crazy. Few the, like
2: Game Boy shoot 'em ups have been something that I've been really invested in lately and i've i i managed to get them all but a couple of them took a bit of finagling and a, and a lot of patience to find the right uh the right listings
0: yeah and would you say like earlier on your channel was more focused on collecting or is that just sort of like a tangential part of your channel
2: 10 c- purely coincidental oh okay. um Yeah, back in in the early days like i said it was all games that i liked playing so i'm like oh yeah no i'll go on ebay and get this and that and the other game like i got troubleshooter for a dollar at auction right uh stuff like that right and i'm just like grabbing everything that i can i found hellfire for like you know 20 bucks or whatever like I i had done a music project got a little bit of money out of it and you know grabbed like Three, four, five shmups on uh, on eBay just because they weren't as they weren't nearly as expensive as they were now. Now I've really got to plan out. Okay, do I really want to get that copy of No um, of Sylphia? You know what I mean? So, <laughs>
0: jeez, yeah. And the shmup prices just across the board have, except on Steam. I mean, if you want to get a Steam shmup, you'll be fine there. But like oh, yeah, yeah. across the board, they've just really risen to the point where even like a super like UN Squad on the Super Nintendo, it's like. Even that's risen in price.
2: Yeah. Um. Thankfully, the Super Famicom version was very uh, reasonable when I picked it up not so very long ago. Uh. But that that was something that I've had like early childhood. You saw you saw what kind of gameplay that I'm able to do in that. There's a reason I'm good at UN Squadron. just right? because yeah, of that, it for that two was and really cool.
0: A lot of people yeah. really uh have messaged me. They loved your one handed run of UN Squad on the Lash Mup Slam. No, and I remember. I picked up Star Fox next. Yes, that's going to be really (laughs) cool. And I'm looking forward to commentating that because I love Star Fox, though. I will say I'm a much bigger fan of Star Fox 64. I still like the OG one as well. But what I was going to say is that I remember five, six years ago, I bought the Japanese version of Axelay for about 20 bucks, maybe 15, 20, something like that. How much did your UN squad cost just to see if maybe the Japanese prices are still sort of. While
2: you on squadron, I picked it up for thirty dollars.
0: Okay, so it's not it was, it was that complete, much of a jump. Yeah, yeah it's not yeah, it too wasn't much terrible. Of a jump. Well, the main thing that I definitely wanted to ask you about is, since the days, you know, the early days of your youtubing sort of career to now, what do you think have been the biggest shifts in as far as your in your experience, as far as maybe what the audiences are looking for, just the whole landscape of um, your experience being a shmup youtuber
2: i think in my case like where i started doing things uh with regards to like original hardware and original software uh being able to show like the tangential game here's the disc here's the case oh
0: yes it's playing
2: on the original system i was using uh composite at first now i've graduated rgb all that fun stuff i think nowadays i've noticed that people just want to see the newest thing. It doesn't, no one cares about the old stuff or that you're running it on original hardware. They just want to see the newest thing. Unless it's a historical
0: piece. I think you're exactly 100% right about that. I think that what's happened, at least from viewership wise, because I've never quite been in, I've never been a collector or had anything like that, but I have noticed, even among my own viewing habits, is that I feel like there was a real time for that a few years ago where it was such like the RGB craze like it, four or five years ago that was such a thing where everyone was RGB modding their consoles and like my life in gaming and all that were popping off and i remember a lot of people during that time it was like OG hardware only emulation sucks and you know and that was like a real uh i think point of viewership for a long time but these days it does seem like that's it's been so Thoroughly canvassed by so many different like retro youtubers that it's probably really hard to get those videos The same amount of attention that they once got
2: yeah, I think um I think if you're going to be doing stuff with uh with retro like emulation is completely fine because you're Much more easily able to get like really crisp Clear imagery you don't have to put the monetary uh Leg work into getting like a frame meister the proper cabling and all that fun stuff and the games of course themselves right but, you know i like doing that because it's it makes for great b-roll it makes for excellent b-roll. oh i know that's the, the that's the dollars. my life
0: in gaming 101 like <laughs> i actually made a video not a lot of people watched it but i made a video um sort of parroting my life in gaming in a loving way a little bit where i talked about my uh extra on emotion and i realized like okay i'm gonna make a video about a piece of retro hardware what type of footage am I gonna fill this video with? And I then I was like, oh, why don't I just make a little bit of a parody of my life in game where I'm like doing random things, <laughs> like plugging in a, a game a Game Boy pocket like 12 times and like spinning the extron and like do, doing all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, it was one of those intros I was talking about. I was awesome. I even commented on it. I loved what <laughs> you did with that intro. I was like my favorite thing out of like all the ones you've done so far. It was great.
0: That one I, I definitely put way more effort yeah. into that one. I thought I thought it was fun, too, because some people were legitimately tricked into thinking they were watching a My Life in Gaming video for (laughs) for a few seconds. And then they're like, wait a minute.
1: (laughs) So the problem that I ran into um, when capturing that way, because I used to just always enable, you know, the scan lines on my OSSC or whatever I was using. Um, is that it looks great in on my computer, but it doesn't look great on YouTube. So, you know, I go through all this trouble to make it look oh, good. no kidding. And I put in scan lines, but it, then, you know, compression kills it. So, I mean, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. So, I, I stopped doing it because it actually looks better without it Um, in a lot of cases, you know, and then you sometimes know. I don't know which way to go.
0: Oh, I know. No, I, I even run into that with streaming. Like, people were like, what the hell's going on with your picture? I'm like, what? I just got scan lines on. I had to turn them off.
1: Yeah. So I mean it might look good originally, but like I said because of YouTube and the compression, and everything else, and you don't know how they're watching. It just it, sometimes it ruins it and it looks worse.
0: Yeah, no kidding. But anyway, so what I wanted to talk about um, and get your guys' thoughts on are some things that I've always felt are sort of negatives of trying to cover shmups on YouTube, and then also I think some positives. So I want to try and give a little bit of a balanced approach. But I'm not going to lie that there are some things that I think. Uh, people underestimate when it comes to the difficulty of trying to promote these games on this platform. And so here's my whole gri- list of gripes. And I thought I could go through them and get your guys's thoughts on them. So the first one that I remember really having trouble with is just how extremely niche the, the genre is to begin with. And I think a lot of people don't realize that when they sort of first approach our channels or first sort of comment on our channels. Like I remember on uh, Ed's channel for a long time, you'll go through the comment section and people will be like, why don't you have like 20,005 billion subscribers? You know, it's like, people will comment that all the time. I get those comments too. Like Mark, why don't you have a bajillion subscribers at this point? I love your videos and everything. It's like, well, because about 12 of you a day are searching for this stuff. And uh, compared to the landscape that is the larger gaming audience, you know, we're we're within a genre where we're retro and then we're a niche within retro where we're like hardcore shmup genre. So it's just such a thin slice of the pie that to begin with, even getting off the ground can be really punishing. And I've noticed that with a lot of shmup YouTubers that start, you know, they start making videos, but they cannot even get past those really tiny uh, view counts. And so I think that for me, that's been a huge hurdle as far as uh difficulty with trying to promote the the genre on YouTube. What do you guys think about that?
1: Um, from my perspective, it's almost kind of like a double-edged sword. It's like, on one hand, it seems like it would be easier to break into um, shmupping. I mean, not shmup, breaking into YouTube for shmups because there's a lot less competition. There's really not that many people doing it. So, you know, you're creating a niche and you're not competing against everyone. Like, imagine if you were just trying to start a regular retro gaming channel and you were talking about Zelda and Mario and, and Castlevania yes. or everything else. I mean, you're competing against everybody. So you have a whole big pool of people. But at the same time, it's really, really hard to get to get any attention in that, too, because everybody's doing it um, or so many people are talking about it. Whereas on the shmup side, you know, if people love shmups and you're doing some great videos, people will find you and people will notice you. And I think when I started, I kind of benefited from that in some way
0: Oh, because uh, maybe there was a
1: certain level of quality to the videos Uh, and people who were looking for shmups were like, hey, this is really cool. And they started following me, um, well, whereas that may I not have been the case. I would love I to was, get Ed's
0: you know, thoughts on this because I live yeah. in my own little bubble as far as when shmup junkies channel began. But I literally saw your channel and thought in my head, where are these people coming from? Not even like. <laughs> Oh, he's getting all these, you know, people that I already know. I was literally like, where where did this audience come from? It just appeared in my I didn't even know it existed. And so I think Shmup Junkie has definitely tapped into, at least from what I've observed, like a whole set of audience of people I didn't even know existed in the world. I was and it kind of blew my mind a little bit. I was like, Well, because for me, the idea of you know making shmup content and getting few counts in like the 10K range. I thought that was literally impossible other than like if you're doing like a world record Jamer's style, style super play that people randomly come across or something. But I couldn't believe like some of your viewership initially. And so that really motivated me to be like, wait a minute, there's a whole branch of audience out there i have never even ran into before. It
1: probably is where I came from because I originally was on Instagram for two or three years, um, just meeting people in you know being you know collecting games and things like that it's that instagram type retro gaming you know not necessarily collectors but nostalgic community right um, not and and not just shmups you know i came in specifically to review the pc engine mini as a whole and focus on the shmups um but yeah it's a really big community there's a lot of them and um i possibly tapped into a lot of that i don't think every one of them are necessarily solely shmup fans um they're just you know, fans of that era and that genre. And I tapped into that somehow because I was part of that community. Uh, so they came for that.
0: Yeah, because a lot of these people, i never recognized that. Like, who are you? Like, these are just new people, brand new people. And then they're like, yeah, I've been a shmup fan for years. I'm like, who? What? Because what? I was living in this own little, this little, you know, I'm a little bit more on like the bullet hell side of things and stuff. So I was living in this little pool. that felt like of like maybe 8,000 people or so. Uh, so it was crazy, at least from my experience when your channel came out, just to see this whole new set of audience out there I'd never seen before. But I want that's why I want to get Ed's thoughts on this, because Ed probably has a little bit more, you know, high more experience with this than I do. So what what did you think when Schmup Junkie's channel came out? Were these people did it seem like to you this was a whole new set of audience, or were you not too surprised?
2: Well, yeah. The first thing that I, what I really want to know, first year, how many subscribers? That's what I want to know.
0: I actually know because I, I tracked his channel like a stalker. So, maybe you do. I don't even remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I know. I know the stats really well. Um, so there was a year, one year where I had a higher sub count than Junkie, but the pace of his channels subscriber was insane and I was like oh yeah, shit this yeah. guy's gonna pass me in like three months and yeah. it, so it was so he came out I think video one or two he's already hitting about one point five 7, um thousand, one point five thousand subscribers which again to like regular youtubers sounds like nothing but in the world of shmupping, I've spent two years like working so hard on those shmup podcasts for like a viewership of about 700 people. For over the course of two years, so uh, just coming out out the gate with one point five or so to me sounded it seemed crazy. To put
1: it into perspective, just to make sense, um, I spent like a good a couple years. I don't know if it was three, maybe at least two to three, um, just in the Instagram community. So my initial right. maybe five six hundred subscribers. I wouldn't say a thousand or one point five came from there you know so i had the benefit of not starting from zero you know right yeah i I was bigger there and they came in and they subscribed and i immediately had at least four or five hundred people to watch the videos and help push it and help promote it so i mean i owe a lot to them because a lot of my friends really helped me get started um from there
2: yeah i slummed it in i started my channel in 2007 (laughs) and even uh i'd say let's see i started bullet heaven in 2009 so there was two years where there was hardly any traction on the channel uh i was under 100 subscribers (laughs) i was under 100 subscribers by the end of the first year of bullet heaven
0: well also what was the the user base back then was it because i'm trying to imagine like you know because that early there probably weren't that many people
2: Right. That, that was, there was still the time where you could like customize your channel with, you know, uh, you could put in custom c- uh, CSS or was it CSS? It might have been CSS. You could mess with like the Java or whatever, put in custom uh, images and such for your channel. Yeah. And, and did uh, they even
0: have an algorithm back then?
2: Like, I don't, I don't believe they did. No. So how did you even
0: was... reach people? Like, email list, <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> send them an email, subscribe to my channel. <laughs> like, how did there you? There was
2: be- a couple i had a couple of subscribers that sort of said you know you should check this guy out there was one guy named cyanide breath way back in the day he he was the first one to do like video responses and stuff like that and uh he got me over 100 i remember when he put his uh when he put his video out saying you know check out uh check out the uh the bullet heaven channel um i think i was around 90 subscribers or so so i was i was the hidden gem at that point (laughs) but um it took it took a very long time like at that point youtube was still saying you know broadcast yourself that was their their sort of thing right like i don't think there was an algorithm and i don't believe there was much more other than word of mouth that got you around
0: yeah and so i think you know how people got that popular on youtube initially was it like forums and crap was that sort of the main discovery vehicle back then
2: there was also other sites too. Like uh, I got a lot of attention over on one um, OneUp.com when that was a thing. That's where I sort of got my.
0: my sort oh of break right, up. right, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. I, I was that
2: approached stuff. by GameVideos.com actually to start doing content for them, but then everything sort of collapsed on the uh, the Ziff Davis side and the uh, the one up side, and they ended up shuttering not very long after I was uh, I was approached on that. And it was just pre-bullet, just pre-bullet heaven. I was still doing casually hardcore back then.
0: Yeah, and so I definitely agree with what Shmup Shmup Junkie said with it being like a niche where it has a double-edged sword because one of my positives is that even though it's really hard for us to get views and new subscribers, we're also kind of hard to replace, right? You can't just throw our channels away and then there's just some new guy who appears and takes over, like you're saying, like RPGs. RPG YouTubers are like a dime a dozen. Your channel could come and go. No one would know. But with with Shmups, you know, a channel goes down. I mean, that's just a giant gaping hole, basically, in the uh, Shmup content world because it's not that easy to get the channel going. It's not that easy to replace people. So,
1: That and our content is also different, you know, between the three of us, you know, with Ed and how much content he has and how many reviews and the style of his content is so different from yours. You know, in oh, that wow. guerrilla style of just talking to the camera and being technical and, you know, grabbing that whole market, whereas I'm, you know, yet completely different from that. So, I mean, even though we're all doing shmups, our channels are really all quite different from each other. And I don't do what you do and you don't do what I do and neither of us do what Ed does.
0: Yeah, but what I was what I was saying, so on the negative side of things. I kind of did a little experiment with this, where I made this uh, animate—not anime—but this review of Cowboy, the new Cowboy Bebop, and I was like, okay, let me apply the principles that I apply to my shmup videos to this video, and see. And it was like, boom, baby, 15k, you know. And I feel like that—that that is sort of the um, difficulty with shmups is we're within a niche, but the niche is actually crazy tiny it's like a little baby and then if you start going into the niche of the niche like if i start i've done videos where i talk about like leaderboards and score verification there's like 12 people on earth who care about that stuff so um you can get real uh you can get real deep down in there sometimes and it can be hard because youtube doesn't really reward that style of content all that well the podcast is sort of the same way where It's really hard to get certain types of content within the genre that I think are really awesome. It's just really hard to get them rewarded. And so my strategy—I want to hear what your guys' thoughts on this. My strategy has been: I I do this sort of like, I do this sort of general. Okay, this will get a good amount of attention because it's kind of feeding the algorithm a bit. And then I'll sort of swap over then and do something a little bit more in depth. The algorithm is not going to be too happy with this and. YouTube analytics yell at me every month, like what the hell is going on with you? But I, I what do you guys think about that sort of approach or the sort of dilemma of the style of content that you do on the channel, whether you're branching out or doing the the things that seem to work?
2: Well, I've, I've tried doing uh, like diversifying my content because, um, you know, looking into various uh, like Discord servers and uh, and other uh, forums and such. People have said that I've uh, I've become sort of, um, I haven't evolved, I haven't branched out enough, but the problem is, is that every time I try branching off, the algorithm says, no one wants to see this, man, just go back to what you were doing.
0: Oh, I know. YouTube no. yells at me all the so time like, for this stuff. Yeah, uh, go ahead.
2: For example, like I, I caught lightning in a bottle a little bit with our uh, Glaylancer review. It was hot off the press. It was uh-huh. just before the game was uh, was about to land, and we got a copy in from uh, who was it? It was Redalica, I think that uh, that sent us the copy, and uh, we managed to score just about ten thousand views out of that one, um, which is you know larger than most of the other ones that I've done in recent memory. Um, I didn't do anything different with that uh, with that episode. It was just pure timing. And yes, then everything else that I've absolutely. done before Absolutely, Yes, I think people it.
0: do not, uh, like, ran, I sorry, but like, just to back up what you're saying, I, th- I think, like, a lot of viewers do not understand the timing element of YouTube and how that is insanely critical. Like, yeah. every single yeah. video that I've done that's popped off has been 100% by accident. I did not see it coming. Every single one. And then I look at them. I'm like, why? Why didn't I know that I could have done better on the video? Especially my most popular video on my channel has nothing to do with shmups. It's a tutorial on how to play arcade stick correctly. And I made it back when I had literally like 100 subscribers or something. And I made it specifically for like some people who are asking me on the forum like, hey, how do you play Arcade Stick correctly? And I said, well, there's this video that used to exist, but it got taken down because the guy made edgy jokes on it. So let me go ahead and explain it to you. So I made the video and I'm just rambling on, taking my time, yada, yada, yada. And then the video explodes. And then in the comment section, people are like time stamping it. And they're like, why are you rambling on? It's like, well, and I often answer like, I had no idea this was gonna be so popular. <laughs> Otherwise I wouldn't have. So yeah, it, it is crazy. You can't really predict what, what yeah. you're going to hit with in YouTube, even though sometimes I've been pretty close to thinking I would hit. But some videos, you never know. Like, uh, you just never know. Like, what I do you think, i got a live Schmuck,
2: stream. Oh, go ahead. I, uh, well, the same sort of thing. Uh, I got a live stream that caught the same kind of, like, almost the same traction as Glay Lancer, <laughs> and it performs a lot better than a lot of my pre-produced videos. It was the Mushihime-sama. Um uh, oh right I remember that one day. yeah yeah just um, casually playing this game on a pizza box and <laughs> oh wait no that was that was pre pre pizza box but uh well yeah just casually playing the game the day it came out people came in asked how it felt it felt pretty good and as if 5000 5, views <laughs> so yeah, yeah um pure timing i would say
0: but we got it we got to get Shmup junkies yeah thoughts here because i think he's of the three of us he's sort of the expert on this
1: as far as, right, well, I'm an expert in the only way, the only way I'm really an expert is in that I'm constantly trying new things and something's work and something's flop. Um, and I kind of expect it. Um, I've tried well, to consider that-
0: a flop on your channel because most besides like your really early videos, because I feel like most of your videos, they just nail it. You know, they stick the landing, almost all of them.
1: I think it's based on the amount of work. So it's kind of like it's based on the, your average channel views. So for, like, for me, I mean, it depends on like you look at your overall channel, like what does your average, you know, video get if your average video gets 10, you know, then a wild success is something that hits 3040 plus 1000 views, it just blew up. And then a flop is something that, you yeah. know, barely does five or 6000 views where Okay, so I just wanted to get
0: your your ranges. I'll tell you mine. Mine are a good video, like a solid video, is three thousand. That's like, okay, Mark, you didn't last year it was one thousand. Last year it was if I hit one thousand views, that was like you did a good job. Or it landed basically. And now I, I've been able to push that up to about three thousand. That's the video lands. Okay, it got to what I expected it to get. And then a hit is like anything above five thousand. That's a hit. Sometimes I get those really big ones, that's a miracle. And then my flops usually are like 1.5 to 2,000 those are type of, those are the types of videos and I have some of those <laughs> and I have some old school videos that are like 500 views because I went like way like I have this one video people sometimes meme about where I did this I thought it was a brilliant idea and it flopped so hard where I thought I was like I'm gonna do like an ASMR type video where I raise chows and sonic adventure tune it could be like something people could because people kept messaging me saying, oh, I love your videos because they're relaxing and they help me relax. And I was like, all right, well, why don't I make you a video that's literally meant to relax you? And that flopped insanely hard. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but most of your videos, it seems like they sort of hit that range, though. I guess which one yeah, none stands out to what? you as like the, the flop that you're like, God damn it.
1: Yeah, none of them do poorly. I think it has to do with how much work I put into it. So, like, yeah. or I think it's going to be a really good idea. Like, um. You know, so I try to stick with the ones at work, you know, like I, ex- I did a, it was quite an experiment when I did that worst schmups ever video, mm-hmm. um, because it was just so different from everything else I'd done before. You know, I was kind of doing the whole AVGN, you know, spin-off.
0: Oh, that's the one where really- you had the, the song in the beginning, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was yeah. a
1: really good video. It was like really well produced That intro. I had somebody do the music for mm-hmm. me. Like it totally played like an AVGN and it was a lot of fun to watch. Like the people who watched it really enjoyed it. But at the same time, like with the amount of work that was put into it, like it did worse than like my previous, you know, nine or 10 videos, you know, some that I put a lot less work into, you know, and it was one of those things where I just, I took a chance, you know, but the bottom line is I had fun. Like, you know, I really enjoyed doing it and I'm glad I did it, but it didn't definitely didn't have, you know, the return on investment in terms of time. So I didn't do another one. I'm not going to keep making those. I had a I
0: had Um, a theory as to why that is.
1: Could be. Not everybody likes Timmy either. So.
0: <laughs> that's not that's not the reason. So here's my theory. My theory is that the old school days of YouTubing were like ne- negativity in retro gaming was like hot in that work is not this. It's not as a. Uh, it doesn't work as well these days, like people don't like negative reviews. I can tell you that personally, uh, people mm. don't like like any sort of semblance of negativity. So, that could have been the reason because they, they saw worse shmups and they're like, oh, forget that shit. I'm not even touching that. That's my and theory. You're not it's even
1: the, interested. Yeah. They're like, not, know, not even tight.
0: clicking on it, even though they have no idea that the video is fun, it's just lighthearted and we're having a good time. They're not even going to click on it because they're like, no, yeah. screw that. I and want be positive totally right, vibes 100% that... all day, every day. Yeah.
1: And that's not something that I could I foresaw, you know, being new to everything, you know, when I was getting into it, you know, I'm sure that my core audience watched it, but a big part of how well it does is the new audience, you know, YouTube puts it out there for new people that aren't your subs to see. And if it's gets a poor response and the clicks are lower, it just doesn't do well, you know, and so it's kind of a learning experience. You know, I've done some like that that didn't do well. and I've done some others that I didn't think would be anything special and they did really well. Um, So it's kind of taking risks. Um, I took a huge risk with my last PC engine video that did really oh
0: well, my gosh, yeah. at least
1: in my mind. Cause I mean, I basically shut my channel down for over a month. I was like, I'm tired. You know, I'm killing myself, putting something out every week or two. I just, I need to do this. I've wanted to do this project forever. It's going to take me a long time, but I'm just going to do it. And I'm not going to rush it. Um, and I watched, you know, everything tank and I watched, you know, my channel barely grow during that time. Um, but I just stuck with it and I was really worried that putting out a video that's Three plus hours long Mm -hmm. is just going to tank because it's so incredibly long. Um, But it didn't. You know, I put a lot of time into it. I made it my best that I could do, and I think it blew up. That style of video is high
0: risk, high reward, where it's it's going to pop off or it's going to flop, flippity flop. And I've had the I've had the three hour flippity flops before, and those aren't fun. (laughs) So. Um, Yeah, I mean, it could
1: have blown up in my face and I would have been okay with it because it's a video I wanted to make. But like, I'm constantly kind of doing that and seeing what works and what doesn't. Um, And and that's, that's all it is. Like my arcade video did really well and that expanded a bit. It wasn't just shmup oriented. So I really don't know. I mean, I don't have an answer. It's just the only thing that I'm doing is I'm doing things in a way where I'm not afraid to fail. I know a video that I put a lot of time into might not do well or I might screw up. And I do it anyway because sooner or later you hit gold. Sooner or later you do something that does really work, and then you can duplicate that and you can keep doing it. So now that the PC Engine video did really well, guess what? People want to see one for Mega Drive. They want to see one for Uh Saturn.
0: Yeah, you know they want to
1: see one for everything else, and I'm going to do it. And it'll be a hell of a lot less work because there's less games. Um, But you know I'm going to do it.
2: So that's just kind of how it goes. So what do you think?
0: um, Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you. What Um, do you think?
2: My measure of success can't really be done in the short term. Um, that, that's true. the thing with the the structure of my of my channel. I'm noticing that my my highest viewed videos, like we've got eighteen thousand, um, six seventeen thousand, sixteen thousand, are over the course of several years. And what's happening mm, is when yeah. these games go on sale on Steam, yes, people are picking up the review. And they're, they're checking out the nitty gritty of these games. So like my highest viewed video of all time is riding four, riding four overkill on PS3.
0: Yeah, there you go.
2: (laughs) Ostensibly the same game as you'll find on steam. Uh, But yeah, it's got 18,000 views on it, which isn't terrible. Um, Ballisticals do fairly well. Uh, Shmup of the year 2018 and 2020. Oh yeah. Those are, those are response. Yeah. But otherwise, it's like, it's it's all the ones that you'd expect. Like, the really big titles that had uh, decent launches uh, fairly early on, like uh, Crimson Clover World, uh, World Ignition. Mm, I've got that yeah. up, up there. Raiden 5 has quite a bit. Um, you want to talk about uh, negativity and reviews. That We didn't even review that negatively, per se, but we got a lot oh, of... Oh,
0: yeah. Video. This is something I wanted to comment yeah. on with, with your channel, Ed, is because... Um, one thing I don't think a lot of people appreciate about uh, Studio Mudprints and Bullet Heaven is that you did not, over all those years, I've never felt like you fell into that trap of just being Nintendo life, basically, of just being like, 8 out of 10, 8 out of 10, 8 out of 10. And that's such a tempting thing to fall into because, like you're saying, like your SDOJ video, for example, I've I agreed with it. I know you got a lot of blowback on it, but I was like, yo, the 360 port of SGOJ does suck. Like, I think we all can agree on that. But when it came out, you know, there was that hype around it and people didn't want to hear that the port sucked. And so you got blasted for it. And uh, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. that that is sort of something I've always respect about your channels. You don't, you don't, uh, you know, you're not just handing out eights out of tens in every single video.
2: What's really interesting about the PsyDaiOjo review was that it uh, was literally like we got it in the mail, like the day i think before our uh, dive cats video went out and uh, and they basically went up one after another and so you right. you had a, a, a an absolute like there there was there was a side literally a side by side comparison of the previous dot push game and the uh, the second dot push game and and i think that's where a lot of the negativity came from <laughs> because well i hadn't i hadn't reviewed and i still haven't actually reviewed diojo yet but um and uh, not in the not in the way that you might think. Anyway, I think I did Diojo DX for the the Switch, which oh, doesn't really yeah. count. It's a, no, it doesn't. <laughs> the it's a, it's a Java game, right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd be a fun review. It was a fun review. It wasn't. Ter- it wasn't terrible. But um, but yeah, that's that. A lot of blowback came from that. They're like, you like Resurrection? That's the worst one in the series. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's the best in the series. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. I still do.
0: <laughs> Resurrection. Resurrection, I think you're a little ahead of your time on that one, too, because Resurrection over the years... So when it came out, from my understanding, um, yeah, people... Because it came after DOJ, for God's sake. How do you follow up the greatest shmup of all time, right? It's like, it came out after <laughs> DOJ. Of course, it's not going to hit those expectations for a lot of players, but over time, the appreciation, even among the most hardcore of hardcore players, has grown towards DFK to the point where it is, in my opinion, in my observation, one of the most popular shmups right now—like people love it. It's played in every single slam. I mean, it is a huge uh, success, but it took time for it to get there. It wasn't like it landed and everyone just went crazy for it. So, I definitely, not to mention, it's, definitely it's, been there. It's got a mode for everyone, right? Oh yeah, it's no matter it's insane if you're how many modes it has.
2: There's, there's something there for you. Yeah,
0: yeah. I have a few videos like that actually. I, where um I made this one video, a don't on not Don't sorry, Ninja Gaiden tutorial on how to play Ninja Gaiden, because no one made a video on how to do this. It's actually kind of underexplored on YouTube, surprisingly. So I made a tutorial of how do you play Ninja Gaiden, the, the the 360 one. How do you play that, you know, how do you do the combat system and everything like like that. And I literally made that again when my channel had like no subscribers, and I made it for someone who literally was just asking how do you play the game. I was like, all right, here's how you do it. That sat on my channel with like 300 views for years. It just sat there. It was a, another epic flop. And then the Ninja Gaiden trilogy comes out. Now that now that video has like 20,000 views because Ninja Gaiden trilogy came out and everyone's like, "Shit, how do we play this game?" And then they found my you know little sad video and now it has. So it you like you're saying yeah you you could drop something and it could just sit there for years and then all of a sudden it gets picked up in the algorithm and it gets popping again. But anyway, so that's, a, that's an, uh, a great topic. Now, another complaint that I have about shmup reviewing, I'm not a complaint like just a reality of shmup reviews. And I think you both can agree with me here is like the amount of work and just manpower it takes to put these reviews and videos together is a lot more than you think because it's a very complicated genre and you have to actually do like research and stuff and you have to interview people and ask like, how does this work? How does that work? then you got to avoid the landmines of misinformation that are all over the internet that, that, uh, that can be a big, big, uh, problem. Uh, pink sweets. I mean, like every time someone wants me to, re- or I need to review a Yagawa game, I'm like, Oh my God, it's like going back to school. <laughs> you have to do so much research to get these reviews out. So, um, that, that it was kind of funny again, contrasting my experience with like reviewing the newest, uh, cowboy bebop. You just sat down, watched it for three hours recorded the review edit boom done like uh i don't think people realize how much research you have to do when it comes to reviewing and covering these games
2: yeah there's especially when you're trying to go into the like the the real deep nitty gritty into things there's it can take quite a bit of time to make sure that you get everything that's uh that's relevant sometimes i go a little overboard uh, when I started introducing like math and equations <laughs> into like the scoring systems, oh and stuff yeah, like scoring that.
0: systems. I hate I've, reviewing scoring systems. I've
2: had, I've had a few people say uh, I was I told I was told there would be no math.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, especially when you start uh, bringing in multipliers and all that shit. Oh my gosh!
2: Uh, if you haven't yet, check out my review for Gundamoniums on PS4. You'll see what I'm talking about. That and Gun Frontier. Gun Frontier has some neat math in it, but. uh... <laughs> But yeah, um without without going too over like I try to scale back a little bit nowadays um so that I don't sound like an instruction manual. Um and so that I don't bore people to tears with like uh minutia within scoring systems and uh and
0: features. Um that's but always yeah, that, that can
2: take a long time. That's always um, a struggle
0: I've had when it comes to reviews, is finding that sweet spot. And i actually don't know if I have the answer or not, because sometimes like the Pink Sweets video, I went full nerd. I went full let's make this the ultimate explanation of how Pink Sweets works especially since a Yagawa game. It's very confusing. I interviewed Pearl. I interviewed Plasma. I got as much information as possible. Talking about board revisions. Just the whole nine yards. And then it's like, okay, I cannot do this with every single review. I'd, I'd go insane. So, like, and yeah. sometimes people literally don't care, right? It's not like some people will like 10 people will message me like, oh, that was awesome. I learned so much. And then, you know, a lot of people just you know, whatever it's pink sweets. I'll play it for an hour and move on with my life. Uh, so finding that balance, especially depending on the title, can be kind of tricky. What do you think, yeah, Mup Junkie, good. when it comes to... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask what Mup Junkie thinks when it comes to like, yeah. what aspects of the game do you focus on the most? do you Do you worry too much about, oh, do we need to talk about the scoring system? Do we not? What do you think?
1: Um, to a certain degree i mean if we're talking about production time in general that's definitely a part of it but it's you know only a part of it specifically because depending on which video i'm doing sometimes the production time is insane mm-hmm. so yeah um it's just a matter of you know yeah there's there's all the research i mean especially like with the history videos those are the worst because oh there's God. enormous amount of work on the research side <laughs> and yeah. doing that right then there's like the amount of production time that goes into it and the script and and editing and everything else i mean those are easily like 100 plus hour affairs. I mean, so in a week I could spend 40 to 60 hours, 40 to 50 hours, and then over two weeks, now you're over 80 hours and, you know, something that takes three weeks. I mean, so you yeah, can I, imagine. I did
0: want to it's- get a little clarification on your method there so I could copy you because I've been working on, before you existed, so I'm not totally plagiarizing you. There's a Discord, cha- there's a channel on my Discord that's been there for years, and people probably wonder why it's still there, where I wanted to do a history of cave lecture so not mm-hmm. like an awesome video like yours where it's really nicely produced, but light more lightly produced than me sort of lecturing at you about the history of all these cave games and doing this sort of thing. And oh my gosh, trying to find that information. You I feel like I need to become an archaeologist or at least learn Japanese or something to try and find all this information. And so I was wondering with your really extensive uh, videos about this did you just know this over the years and you could just like recall it or did you literally spend dozens and dozens of hours researching it before the video it
1: depends on which video so i mean um with the pc engine stuff yeah i mean I, you know obviously i learned it somewhere at some point some of it from personal experience something over the you know the decades but you know anything that i do on pc engine mostly comes from me uh there's not too many people on the discord that are giving me like extra info it's usually the other way around Um, but when it comes to other companies in general, especially with the last one I did for Technosoft, you know, I happen to have a friend that just knows that company inside out. So part of it is I choose my topics based on something that I know I can do something good on. You know, I did Technosoft because I knew I knew somebody that could just help me when make it, you know, make it amazing with information that people never, never heard of before. Um, with PC Engine, it's on me, but a. Big part of it is my Discord, I, like your Discord. Uh-huh. You know, I created a topic of the week, you know, category, and when I'm working on a video, depending on what it is, I'll create a, a, cha- a, a subject for it. You know, so like when I was working on my best arcade exclusive games, you know, a huge part of it, my Discord was massively helpful. Yeah, you know, because I didn't know everything myself.
0: Super. You know, so you
1: get all these people coming in, and they're like, "Oh, what about this game? Oh, what about that game?" You know, and we all kind of work through it, and which ones should we highlight? And, you know you end up with all these great suggestions and you'll have one person that's an expert on you know this particular game and someone yeah. else that's an expert on that game and you know i I'll, some of my videos i couldn't do without you know the amazing discord and like the help that i've been getting from the people on it
0: oh um, me too absolutely so it just, so it depends. like pink sweets no freaking way <laughs> without plasmo and the rest of the people helping me on discord there's no way i could have covered that that damn Yeah game. and even
1: with individual reviews like um when i was doing sentient alesta you know it's, you know, oh, part, of, yeah. it was, part <laughs> of it was me playing it a lot and, you know, getting my own opinion and, you know, perspectives on it. But part of it, too, was, you know, these other people that have been playing it for a month or two months already, you know, that they were able to help and say, oh, yeah, did you know about this? Oh, yeah, did you know about that? You know, so it's, it's, it's almost like a community effort. It almost feels like some of the videos are a community effort. It's not just my knowledge. It's everybody's knowledge that I'm just still I, I putting know. together
0: a good video. It is, it is crazy how useful Discord is as far as that sort of stuff. I mean, um, it yeah, it's incredibly useful. I could not uh, emphasize that enough. So, Ed, I was going to ask you, over the course of all the videos, what do you think, as far as the videos you've made, that was the most challenging production-wise? So we know Shmup Junkies was definitely the PC Engine one because that thing was a beast. But what what do you think was the hardest or the most, complicated like produced video for you
2: my most it's a series of them all of the cave ones that they come out with different modes friggin uh escaluta 2 has seven modes
0: <laughs> yeah. oh jeez and the scoring <laughs> and systems all, from hell
2: and they all play differently and score differently and they have different little the uh, uh, different little mechanics to them that change completely how the game plays so i have to you know, well, play the game through, obviously, but then really sort of pay attention to, like, the little things and timing and, um, you know, numbers and multipliers and, and this and that. And it takes a really sharp eye and, like, I miss some some things as well, but, like, I've noticed that I don't miss much. Yeah, I know your your um, videos have the, always
0: been really great about explaining the scoring systems for games, because there's a lot of times where I'll pop on your video if I'm like, OK, what the hell is going on with the scoring system?
2: Yeah, and I think um, with a lot of games nowadays, too, and I've noticed this more and more, they're not coming with uh, with any sort of ex- explanations or manuals.
0: Oh, I know. I like hate I, this
2: in my i did the uh, co- uh i called it cotton blend it was cotton 100 percent and uh panorama cotton for the switch it just came out and um i had to reference my japanese super famicom ma- manual for some of the the nuance in uh in cotton 100 percent. yeah
0: and this happens so, with indie games too and if I, I had a discussion about this with the zero ranger guys where so um basically the i because i was asking how does rank work in zero Ranger, and they're like we ain't telling you you gotta figure that out on your own mark i was like come <laughs> on man but but basically the idea was is that you know arcade games back in the day right like writing yeah. or whatever it's not going to tell you where the secret hitting crap is you gotta the players got to figure that out and i'm like i get that but we sort of live in a different era now and uh i do wish that you know, more games would come with like some manuals and some ex- explanations of the scoring system. Same thing with Dan Markman yeah. limited three. I had no idea what the hell's going on with that game scoring system. <laughs> you know, I had to like play it for, I feel like a year or two before I kind of figured out all the, most of the nuances. And then there's still stuff I don't think I fully grasp. And yeah, I do. News- I do wish it- indie developers would just give in and be like, okay, Here's yeah. the here's the sheet. This is how rank <laughs> works. This is how the gem system works. This is how the hyper system works. I I really wish they would do that. Uh, the
2: good news out of all of it, though, is that I've picked up quite a bit of Japanese. Oh, I can I can easily do it without having to bust out a translator.
0: Well, that's impressive. Yeah, it's I can't I can't read enough Japanese to buy something on PSN. I tried I tried, <laughs> tried to get GG three on PSN. You know, and it was listed in Japanese. It took me like a day. <laughs> and I had to like message a bunch of people, like, how do I do this? So, yeah, I no skill I, in Japanese whatsoever.
1: I just started like maybe a couple months ago. So, like, I've got like the base, like, alphabet down. But then there's also, you know, instead of hiragana, there's katakana. And then there's kanji. And, you know, so I, I'm just beginning my journey.
2: Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the kanji is definitely the 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 place where where most of the difficulty lies um the the syntax seems okay oh, i'm yeah. doing all right talking to hideki, hideki kimiya these days so it's not too bad
0: i have to say i have deep pain and sympathy for any japanese person out there with dyslexia because when i try and read <laughs> those stupid symbols i'm like what the f am i looking at here i can, i i, I can like i can't even look at a piece of paper with japanese kanji on it And like remember for three seconds enough to flip over to the screen and identify it. I mean, I have to like put it on top of the screen and sort of like like a three year old hold it up to the screen to try and read the kanji, try and match them up. So, yeah, um, I I don't think I'll be learning Japanese anytime soon. It's kind of a pain, like I've (laughs) wanted to get a
2: Japanese keyboard for a little while, Um, so what I have to do if I want to put something in, because I know what I'm doing, it takes longer to do because I have to draw out the uh, characters in Google Translate and then copy the text.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, that's Google Translate for better or for worse, I have used many occasions, and I think I've messaged Japanese players via Google Translate, and it probably sounds insane when they read it back, but that's (laughs) the best I'm going to be able to do. One of these days, look at that keyboard. Could you? I guess I didn't even think of that. You'd have to buy like a Japanese keyboard. I never even thought of that. But like kanji yeah. and shit.
2: Smartphones, you can get around it though. You can just uh, upload a language pack, swipe yes, uh, yeah. right on the uh, on the key uh, the space bar. It brings it right into the other uh,
0: the other language. And uh, another thing that I've always felt is a real barrier with shmups is that. This is again maybe my own <laughs> own sort of bone to pick, so you guys don't have to comment too much on it if you don't feel like it. But I've always felt like um, a bit of a frustration, to say the least, with how unseriously the genre has been taken by the wider gaming media. And a certain bird told me that uh, when Ketsui Destiny came out, and there was a review for it where it got you know the the highest highest rank the gaming magazine could give them or whatever, the person kind of got a like a side eye it's like mm, i don't know if shmups should be allowed to even have this high of a review score and i've always been really frustrated with sort of how shmups are treated in the wider gaming media especially some of the reviews in the past like i remember there's one ign review for ikaruga and it's like it's a great game but it could have done better if they doubled the amount of stages it's like okay <laughs> uh you you clearly don't understand so you want ikaruga to be an hour and a half long, <laughs> like. Just stuff like, I've seen ins- I've exotic. seen a lot of insane takes on shmup reviews over the years. I think another one that some people meme is, I remember one person was complaining that there was too many bullets and they couldn't see the background of the screen. They're like, these bullets are just taking up the damn screen. I can't see the background. <laughs> so uh, this is something I've always sort of had trouble with. And I think the the most recent example is the R-Type Final 2, where I I made a pretty negative review of that game and got quite a bit of backlash on that. But what are you guys' thoughts on as far as you don't have to comment necessarily on like gaming magazines and all that, but sort of maybe like the general gaming public's attitude towards shmups? Have you had, have you found that you're sort of running up against that a lot or has it not been a big deal?
2: Um,
1: I think for me, um, because I'm focused on the general gaming public more so, um, I kind of feel like they're the key to everything. So, I mean, yeah, the me, everything that you said about, you know, most, You know, mass media and the magazines is true. Um, But they're really a reflection of the majority. Um, So really, it's changing the minds of the majority that will change the minds of the media and the magazines. Oh, that's true. So I have a lot of people coming in saying, They ride that wave. I'm not into into shmups. You know, but, you know, I don't even like shmups that much, but I just like watching your videos. And, you know, I wasn't into them, but now I'm trying them out more. Or it's just trying to make it a bit more appealing in that sense or showing them in a different light. So the more people we can bring into our side, you know, just the actual gamers, you know, not the media or the magazines, you know, depending on how big we can grow, of course, or how big the genre can grow, it might improve. It might not, but that's kind of, my I think approach. it
0: has improved to, to some degree. And I don't know if it's like necessarily because we've been hitting them with a stick enough lately that they're like, all right, okay, fine. Cause I remember the, a mind-blowing moment for me was when Digital Foundry they had they have some kind of podcast or whatever and they talked about Cotton Cotton Two and they mentioned the input lag I was like oh my god <laughs> like this is kind of a a big deal because coming into it I remember Nintendo Life I was getting roasted by the Nintendo Life fan base for complaining about seven frames of input lag in the Psycho games and I think that was my undoing in the end but yeah it's always been kind of a tough tough balance for me and this might be my own personal issue where like i i want to bring more people into the genre but i also don't want to compromise too much and i'm always wondering like where is that line you know where's the line where it's like okay or i start saying you know seven frames is that where i compromise or you know what i mean like that's always been a struggle for me is where do i compromise on accessibility versus being a, a snarky, snarky asshole? Like, where's the line there as far as quality, I guess, versus uh, accessibility? Well,
1: I mean, guess there is no compromise. I mean, you really shouldn't compromise what you feel is correct. I think everybody's just different. Like, we've already talked about it before, you know what? Yeah,
0: that's true. You know, what
1: I feel is fine for me versus what it is for you and depending, because we're playing the games in a different way. We're different players and we're playing it for different reasons or with different goals. So, um, yeah, I mean, there is a point where too much is too much. I mean, I think we all agree that, you know, that Cotton Tribute release was a joke as far as, you know, the amount of input like had. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh, by comparison, I mean, it wasn't that the games were a joke, but I mean, you know, like I mean, the 12 the porting job,
0: up. I mean, come on.
1: So it was one of those things where, you know, I, I originally came out with my PC Engine mini reviews and was saying, hey, look, you know, it's the same as all the other ones. Six to seven frames is not that bad. Oh, you, you want to
0: for- hear a kind of funny, um, what do you call it? Uh, Mandela effect, a funny Mandela effect that happened between uh your channel and my channel was um, a lot of people thought that your original PC engine videos were addressing me and my reviews, and I had to re- I had to constantly remind people, I never reviewed the pc engine mini this this did not occur. this occurred in your brains. This never happened in real life. I never reviewed it because i I made a policy. Earlier that I would not discuss any of the, piece, the any of the mini consoles because every single review would be me slapping and bashing on them and I thought I'd piss right. off too many people doing that. So I was like, I'm going to sit this out. I'm not going to talk about any mini consoles because I'm just going to, you know, be a be a snob about it and people are going to get mad at me. So I didn't. I never discussed the PC Engine. I never discussed the input lag on the PC Engine mini. That never happened. But because I do it so often with other reviews and stuff people assumed that you're talking about my review. So I thought that was always kind of a funny Mandela effect of between our audiences.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I kind of hit a nerve with that and I came in with like, look, this is a mini. You know, I, I was up front and said, yeah, of course, it's not the same kind of, you know, performance you're going to get on, on real hardware nor with like good emulation. It's a $99 console, you know, but is it enjoyable for the mass majority of players? Are nine or nine and a half out of 10 people going to get it? and not even notice or care most likely yeah especially the type of people that buy mini consoles and what they're looking yeah. for and i mean it hit a nerve with that because it's true um you know i can still play it and enjoy it and not have it bother me um but anyone who's really playing
0: seriously wouldn't feel the same way um, what do you think about those ed because i actually don't know if i know what your opinions on those mini consoles are are you kind of tolerant to them or are you like me where you You don't want to discuss them (laughs) and get yelled at what do you think about those things like across the board it doesn't just have to be the pc engine one
2: they have their place um the thing about a mini console is that yeah it's not going to be for people like you or i um it's going to be for those people that have either um, a lot of nostalgia but maybe don't uh, play many many video games um like I have a lot of uh, nostalgia for the uh, PC Engine and TurboGrafx-16 from, you know, uh, a long time ago. And if I wasn't a gamer and I didn't play uh, play games as much as I do and I wasn't as sensitive as I am to to input delay or uh, little differences with sounds or or graphics or like, you know, um the fuzziness of 720p versus 1080p or or whatever resolution. If it wasn't for that, I'd be a hundred percent. Okay. With it. No trouble at all. Right. It's also really, I think it's a really good way to really test the waters too. If you, uh, if you want to, uh, sort of dip a toe into, like' it's with the PC engine mini in specific, if you want to dip a toe into the shooting landscape with some really high tier stuff for comparatively little money, it'd be a great way to go about it. Cause like, I don't know who's spending $1700 on sapphire these days. <laughs> but it's not me.
0: Right, right. <laughs> you know? Well, my so. my concern has always been is that um and may this might be unfounded, this might be just a mark like the the world according to Mark's brain. My concern has always been that you okay, you buy the PC Engine Mini or you buy one of other we'll say another one that like the Sony wasn't the Sony one kind of a joke, right? Let's oh, say yeah, you, was. yeah, you, let's Okay, you <laughs> buy the Sony one and then, but I, the problem is with shmups is that they're not as widely known, right? So let's say you buy one of these collections or one of these mini consoles and you play it, you're like, this blows because uh, you your brain isn't like figuring, like Psycho, the Psycho ports, this was one of my main concerns, is that Psycho the design of the game is very dependent on input lag because those bullet speeds get absurd where like trying to react especially in the second loop trying to react to those bullet speeds at 7 frames of input lag I mean you can do it I'm not saying it's impossible but it's absolutely brutal and I've always been worried that that would reinforce this notion that well this genre is just straight up impossible to play it is when you're playing through 7 frames of lag and so that's always something I've been worried about with these like why I harp on the technical side of things is that when people feel, let's say, like, when people play on laggy setups, they can be like, "All right, I, I I can accept it." And then you put them on, like you get them on a better setup, like cotton, the cotton reboot, right, where that one had much lower lag than a lot of the other stuff that came out on Switch. People are like, "Whoa, this is this is sick!" But they would never know until they experienced it. And so that's why I've always, I've always been really torn on these these sort of approaches. Is I've always been afraid that since you're getting a sort of compromised experience you may walk away with a whole different impression on the quality of the game
2: um i have a bit of a confession (laughs) speaking of the 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 psycho ports and stuff like i triple dipped on those things i've got two sets of the collections back right
0: right the switch ones or which ones because there's like a bajillion psycho collections. this the
2: the, the switch ones okay um when i was reviewing them I, i gave them decent reviews um but the thing is is that I always felt as if I really sucked at them. And I was right. playing on a really laggy TV, like a, it was a Bravia that had like a 30 millisecond response time or some something ridiculous. <laughs> and when you compound that with the input lag on the Psycho games, like some of them performed better than others.
0: Yeah, some and of them were better. That there than was a,
2: a significant difference when I switched over to the monitor that I'm using now, which only has a 1 millisecond response time. But I mean I think I would have to revise those reviews um, maybe with an all-encompassing thing a little later down the line because you're right the uh, the input leg makes me feel like I'm trash (laughs) right yeah and I I... didn't know that was the thing Uh, I'm I'm very I'm very aware of it nowadays and I'll mention it in my reviews but like at that point in time I thought that was all my skill I didn't think I was doing so well wasn't doing so hot yeah how could it be the game if they're all doing that
0: yeah, exactly. And uh I've had I've had reviews like that as well where I've looked back on them, I'm like, hmm, I should have been a little bit more charitable to this game. Like, um I reviewed it was actually on Nintendo Life, it wasn't on my channel, but I reviewed Sisters Royal, and I was a bit harsh on poor Sisters Royal, <laughs> and ever I don't think people let me forget it. They're like, Man, you railed into this game. I was like, Well, Yeah, I did. I kind of did. It's not that I feel like what my criticism, I didn't think that my criticisms were unfair, but I don't think I, I could have tempered it a little bit and been like, you know, Sisters Royal is part of the Shiki series and part of the appeal is that it's sort of janky and like people kind of like that it's janky like this. So like, uh, I think I went a little too harsh on it, you know, so I think we've all been there a time or two.
1: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with Ed on like what he said about, like I said, the mini consoles just, they have a purpose, you know, and they're not terrible. You know, there's no reason to go on and knock them down and rail them down because they have six or seven frames of input lag. I mean, I said it's a $99 console. It's a gateway drug. You know, you get it, you know, do you get a chance to play the games? You know, and a lot of people saw the PC engine mini as a gateway drug. It's kind of like, they 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 got it. and They're like, man, these games are really good. I never played this before. I never played Lords of Thunder. I never played Sapphire. This is awesome. Um, and they really liked it, and it sparked their interest to play more games. You know, and I got that a lot from a lot of people. So, you know, and a lot of people that originally said thank you so much for your reviews because you know all I was seeing was all these other you know YouTubers railing on it and saying how you know basically just knocking it down. So they just they weren't going to buy it, and they would have really just missed out on the opportunity to play some of these great games. Um, but after watching mine, they went and they got it and they really enjoyed it. And it got them to explore the library more. I mean, in, in my mind, that's the purpose. You know, as long as the mini console is done well, like the Genesis mini and the PC Engine mini by M2, you know, it's, you're not, I'm not going to sit there and knock them down for having six or seven frames because of what they are. You know, they have, like Ed said, they have a purpose. You know, yeah. so I was kind of annoyed by that. And that caused me to start my whole damn channel. So. Here we are.
0: Well, I I wondered <laughs> very, um... about these mini consoles. Is that um <laughs> like the PC Engine one, um what is sort of the follow up in your guys' minds to them, right? Like uh okay, like you get the PC Engine mini and then do you buy a PC Engine is that like the follow up or like for me of course, emulation and all that sort of stuff, Misters and all that fun stuff. But I mean like in the 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 average customer's mind, do you do, you, do they buy a PC Engine mini and then they think, hmm, Let's get the real deal or like how much of a conversion rate do you think that is?
1: I think there's a small percentage people who are into gaming and collectors that do, Um, you know, maybe they get a flash cart. They don't necessarily go and try buy every single game. Um, But I think a lot of people do emulate. I think a lot of people just (laughs) find a way to play it. You know, some buy some buy the actual console because they they're intrigued by the library and they want it. Um, Some people get a mister. You know, but again, those Mm. those people are few and far between. Not everybody buys a Mr. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, a lot of them probably just go the emulation route. Um, But a lot of them also tell me in the comments that they would like to someday. They're like, these are great. I really want to have, you know, get a PC engine. A lot of them ask me, what should I get? How should I get it? You know, how can I play these? Uh, I don't even know the answer to that. You can (laughs) buy a PC engine for cheap for, you know, just over 100 bucks. And you can get a Terra and you can get a flash card like a Terra Onion. Yeah.
2: That's uh, the way for SSDS3,
1: so for for like you know to you know the price of a flash card and a PC engine, you can play all the games, um, and there you are.
0: It, uh, with even, PC engine even, specifically, even, don't you sorry. need to buy like extra parts for it or whatever? Like you need to buy like a part. Of not some if kind, you right? not
1: if you get the full flash card. So I mean, if you get like an SSDS3, then it's pretty much everything you need when you attach mm. it to the right console, and you can play it all.
0: Okay, um, so you don't need to buy like the second. I've always been confused by the PC Engine, you have to forgive me but as far as like, but it always seems like you there's like the base version, then you buy like some kind of add-on for it or oh, something. Oh yeah, yeah, if
1: you're collecting the real hardware, I mean, and Ed can answer this as easily as I can, you know, then there's a, PC Engine has a ton of products, it's really, right. really complicated. Yes. And nobody will understand it, but if you, all you want is a flash cart and you just want to play the games on real hardware, then you can do it for a reasonable price. I mean, it's oh, not So cheap, you, could, you, know? so
0: you I mean. could shove that flash cart in the base unit and play the entire library?
2: Uh, depending on which one if you have like a base,
0: i'm
2: sorry go ahead and i was going to say uh there's two different ones uh the the one that i would probably recommend if you want to play everything they uh, Terra onion made the uh super sd system 3 pro i believe that's what it's called it's a blue version and it's got hdmi out so you don't have to mess around with like rgb or anything like that and it adds uh, super graphics capability i think to the mix yeah so i mean all that that one has to basically you just pop it on the back of a
1: base pc engine and you've got everything i actually Mm -hmm. just gave one of those away that was my giveaway for the big um pc engine video i had an extra and um where everybody like guessed what my rank would be and there was like a hundred and something people that played and we did it live it was like a fantasy football thing and the very top score the person who guessed the most right ended up winning it so yeah that's (laughs) what we gave away
0: yeah and i'll i'll uh Make one more point on the 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 mini consoles because I actually haven't had a chance to really talk about them too much, and then we'll move on to the next topic because I don't want to drag on too much on these. But my my I guess, my thought would be like being one of those YouTubers who would trash on it and be like, "Yo, this sucks! Don't buy it. It's seven frames or whatever." Uh, my defense of that would be that um it the value of those type of reviews, like hitting the developers on the head with a stick, is that it, it teaches them a little bit of a lesson, so that down the line, like we've seen hopefully with City Connection here, is like, you know, I've, rev- I've given them enough negative reviews and complained about the input lag enough, but it does seem like they're a little bit more aware of it these days. And they, like with the uh, Death Smiles release, they, four frames, that, that's a big improvement over, you know, seven or 11. And so I do wonder, you know, that could be a value of doing that though, is that the developers do hear that feedback and they're like, oh crap, okay. So we do have to like, try and improve the input lag. So that would be, I guess, one one of my main motivations to do that is just to let the developers or whoever was involved know no this is something that's important to the fan base
1: and i mean on a modern console there's no excuse for it i mean when you're talking about switch and ps4 i mean you're you're right on the money it's just even even six or seven frames i mean it's not necessary,
0: not for not when M2 of, is sitting right next to you at two not frames. When they have the power. You know, it's like whoa. Oh, with a
1: mini console, it's the opposite. I mean, it's a ninety-nine. I mean, the processor in there costs like thirty bucks.
0: If that, that that is true. You know, M2
1: did everything they possibly can. I mean, you can't get better than
0: six to seven frames out of did, that piece of hardware. I, did M2 what make do do? the uh, PC Engine? I'm sorry. Did M2 make the PC Engine Mini?
1: Yeah, M2 did the Genesis Mini and the PC Engine. Oh, I didn't know that as the emulation? The emulation and the software. Can I be made the hardware? So M2 mm. didn't get to choose a better processor to make it faster. Right. They have to work with the um based on budget. you know. So based on what it is, I mean, it's about as good as you're going to get anytime soon until the price of that stuff comes down. So they can put a better processor in it for the
0: same amount of money. Yeah, that is true. Because I bet what they were having to do is... Uh, see, and I would have mentioned this a little bit, I think, if I ever reviewed these mini consoles. Is that if you're doing like really low spec hardware I'm not an expert so hopefully I don't get destroyed in the comment section for speculating here but like I just in my experience like if you're trying to emulate crap on like old Raspberry Pi 1s and stuff you have to like add in extra buffering and all this kind of crap because the hardware literally can't perform at the rate that like a PS4 can or whatever so that that could have been the situation with M2 where like you're saying the, the hardware itself is just ain't gonna ain't gonna put out that performance as much as you wanted it to
1: yeah but when you're dealing with modern consoles like you said there's there's no excuse for it besides just not putting in the development time or not having the budget or you know who knows
0: right Yeah. yeah hamster
2: is proof of that yeah
0: yeah is are hamster the people who do the arcade archives or is that someone else yeah yep yeah i feel like I want to let. I've been, I've severely tempted to do like one of the, you know, those change.org things that people do that make no difference (laughs) in real life, but I've been tempted to as sort of a meme, but also maybe hopefully to actually have it make, be a thing is do a change.org for arcade archives and be like, okay, add more save state slots. Okay. You have that one stupid, weird ghetto save state that you guys use. We know you can do it. Add more save state slots to these ports because that's always been something I've been curious why don't they do that. But and I feel like it'd be pretty simple change. Because I do like the arcade archive ports for the most part. I always I just think it's silly that they don't have save states. I promised I wouldn't ramp on that uh topic for too long. This topic I think is gonna be really fun because uh prior to recording, uh, I feel like Junkie and I had sort of different experiences on this. And this, I think, has to do a little bit with our sort of generational divide, which is in the notes, I said one of the cons of uh, Shmups as a YouTuber is that you don't have that nostalgia that you can cash into that a lot of other retro gaming stuff can do. Like, oh, Super Mario Bros. How many Legend of Zelda videos are there? Like five bajillion. How many Final Fantasy uh, series are there? Like a million, right? And people just can't get enough of it. But as far as like cashing in on nostalgia, I felt like shmups didn't, for the most part, like the kind of shmups that I cover and talk about a lot of the time, they don't really have that nostalgic connection for a lot of people, right? People aren't like, oh, yeah, the days of firing up DOJ in the morning. And, you know, like you have to be a certain age demographic for that to even fall under that category. But uh, yeah, but you felt like uh, that's a completely different situation as far as uh, the stuff you talk about in your audience.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because we're dealing with like 8 bit, 16 bit. Um, you know, we're going way back and there's huge nostalgia just for that time, not necessarily just for shmups. Um, cause as I, what I had mentioned when we talked privately was we didn't see them as a separate genre. You know, when we were playing these games on the master system and the NES and the arcades and on the mega drive, we were just playing the games. It was just awesome games that we loved, regardless of what they were. And we just have a huge nostalgia for that time and that era and that part of our lives and our and that age time and when we were that age so yeah when i'm tapping into like the old konami games you know whether it's Gradius or our type or anything like that i mean the nostalgia for them is enormous um, I just as believe much as that zelda, mario, there, there may be less people that have nostalgia for it compared to you know mario and zelda of course um but there's a ton of people who have nostalgia for that time in general, so that's kind of what I'm tapping into with a lot of my videos.
0: And that really, I think that what opened my eyes to that is the R-Type Final 2 review, where I was like, why do you, Why do so many people care? It's R-Type. Like, I, I had no idea that so many people cared about R-Type, you know? To me, it was like, R-Type's a cool game and everything, but I felt like I thought it was forgotten. You know, by the wayside. Oh, that's some old stupid arcade game. No one gives a shit about. But I've learned. No, no, no. There's a big fan base out there who apparently love our type.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. There, You'll that there's a much bigger nostalgia and fan base for the older games because we're older and there's more of us for our type and Gradius and Konami and all
0: that than there is for Cave. You know, as absolutely. And I couldn't believe that. Like I, for for example, when Ketsui Destiny came out, I thought this was going to blight up the world. I'm like Ketsui on the PS4, people are going to lose their minds. Journalists are going to go crazy. There's going to be a thousand YouTube videos all I was a little bit naive at the time. There's going to be so much attention for Ketsui Destiny. And when it came out, crickets. Like barely anyone talked about it. There's like one review for it. No one cared. I was I couldn't believe it. I was like, "What the hell?" And then R-Type Final 2, you get random podcast talking about it and stuff. I'm like, "Why do, you know, it it, the gears did not click in my brain. So that is, I think that might be a bit of a generational yeah. divide for me where you know, I our mean, type, I, who gives a shit about our type in, in my age bracket, right? But it, apparently a lot of people do.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the reason my channel exists. You know, I wouldn't be making these videos and doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for the massive nostalgia that I have for that time and those games. So it's the reason I exist. It's the reason I make the videos I do. And it's what I've tapped into and it's Probably a part of why it succeeded the way it has yeah, um, is that nostalgia specifically.
0: Right. Yeah. So that's funny how different our experience has been on, on this particular topic because I I think it's going to be funny. It's going to be funny when the next generation of people, like gaming generation of people like 10 years, 12 years, 15 years from now, are nostalgic for like Toho. They're like, oh, do you remember the days of firing up Toho in the morning? <laughs> They're going to exist. These people... There are going to be like nostalgia Toho videos, which is going to be really funny.
1: Nostalgia is a hell of a drug.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. But what do you think? Ed, you've been you've been around the like around this way back when, like you know, again, classic gaming room that was one hundred and twelve percent nostalgia. it felt like yeah. So yeah. what have been your experiences with this whole nostalgia thing and shmups over the years?
2: It's still a nostalgia thing it always has been really because again st- starting out on uh I- I- even with casually hardcore well casually hardcore was more newer stuff stuff that was coming out at that time but i mean by today's metrics
0: even that's retro now so right like we're talking playstation 2 right um and i i feel like that can't be allowed like there needs to be like a committee <laughs> that comes together says no playstation 2 is allowed to be retro sorry that is that's a cutoff point until until mark dies and then once mark is dead that can be classified as retro because that's ridiculous but the
2: dreamcast though (laughs) same generation right
0: the dreamcast i think why the dream sorry it's a little bit of a tangent but it's kind of interesting i think the reason why dreamcast falls into that a little bit easier like it's a little bit easier to swallow is because it felt like the games on the dreamcast were kind of old even for the time Mm. right they're like bringing arcade shit onto this yeah. console probably why one of the reasons why it flopped you know grand theft auto 3 and then the dreamcast you know it has like yeah. uh, power stone or whatever
2: but like uh i've got a soft spot for the dreamcast so everyone oh i love that. the dreamcast
0: i'm just saying like as a casual 13 year old kid in the day you know like yeah. i hung around i was around that age when those came out it's like dreamcast bro are you serious like we're playing grand theft auto and killing streetwalkers that's what we're up to right now we're not playing power stone but uh yeah.
1: Might be that it was more niche too. I think it's because the Dreamcast wasn't as popular and it didn't last and it went away and it was yeah. the Sega console that died. So people have the nostalgia for it because they're like, "Oh, but I yeah. had it and I loved the it, games
2: and it should have succeeded and it didn't." You it know, never
0: and, got off the ground. I, yeah, that is true.
2: You felt like you had something special when it uh, when it wasn't available anymore, and it's uh, it's like, well, what are you playing? It's like this game, this system is like. How long was that even a thing? Like, how could it possibly be good? But like, then you realize in Japan, the last, uh, the last uh, officially released games were made in two thousand seven. Oh, I
0: love, <laughs> yeah. I love. Like, wasn't the last a year I don't know, after the like, PS three? Yeah, wasn't the PS two like they like FIFA games? I don't know. Maybe they're still coming out on the PS two. But it's like somewhere in Brazil, they be, they're still making yeah. FIFA games in like twenty sixteen or whatever. I thought that yeah, was pretty I mean, awesome. The,
1: the Dreamcast hardware was fantastic. I mean, it easily oh, yeah. competed with the PS2, and it could have done anything, you know, just about the PS2 could do and more. It's just it
2: didn't have the library. Yeah, yeah. which is, you know, obviously it's a, it's a shame it didn't go as far as it could have. But
0: uh, I feel like the problem was yeah. is that Sega were way too cool of a company. Like, they're cool. They're like Cave. Like, Sega and Cave were too cool for their own good financially, and it was their demise. Like everything they did, I'm sure they sat like, okay, you sit in a Nintendo board meeting. This is me just projecting. You sit in a Nintendo board meeting. They're talking about, okay, what are the sales going to be? What, what, what quarter should we re-release this game for the 18th time? Then I imagine like a Sega board meeting. They're sitting there in their sunglasses, you know, drinking whiskey. And they're like, let's do it, bros. Like this sounds badass, right? It, it feels like a lot of their decisions were based on being awesome rather than being financially smart. But... We got some killers Hashtag they're Sega they're Bros. my favorite company besides cave if that isn't coming through
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh to return to the question the, the nostalgia has always been a big thing but i find n- nowadays that uh maybe the nostalgia is a bit it's there's a bit too uh it, mm-hmm.
0: how i, how I like what you're going this- here i like this direction
2: <laughs> nowadays nostalgia doesn't really it doesn't pay the bills i guess you could say Mm-hmm. right um with with uh with the sorts of games that are coming out uh where i'm finding that that fewer and fewer people are are tuning in because they don't have that that connection to uh to the games that are that are being re-released at this point in time like um what was that one that came out gynog not many people know about gynog uh or yeah. wings of war i guess and is that what it was called
0: That was the problem I was talking about earlier, where you're like the niche of the niche, like you're you're in a serious sliver there, right? Like you're in an obscure of an obscure.
2: A great game, too, on Mega Drive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think to me, anyways, the nostalgia isn't necessarily for the games. It's for the system. It's like it's like uh, junkie was saying. Yeah, that's uh, a great point. You're not you're not playing like you're not a fan of the game. You're you're a fan of the system. So you're not playing a genre. You're playing a console. You're playing Nintendo games. You're playing Sega games. You're playing uh, Turbo Graphics games.
0: That's very. Uh, true.
2: That's that's where it sort of lies.
0: Yeah. Um, like, and I think the era, because I've been thinking about like, there's random shit I've wanted to make videos about, but I know like the era where you could do that is dead. Right. <laughs> like it's just. <laughs> dead as much as I because like there's games I want to talk about that I feel like are cool that are looked over like Robotech Battlecry but I feel like if I make this Robotech Battlecry video three people will watch it because those era that era where you could get away like classic game room era where you could get away with just yeah. randomly reviewing things and people like oh this is sick like those days are done it feels like you need to have an angle you need to have a a whole th- per package prepared to get people to check something out
2: Small well aside, I know a great exploit in that game. Oh, what is it? You can. Uh, what you can do is you can go into a space stage uh, as uh, like you can replay a space stage. Um, and when you replay the space stage oh. that you've done before, and then go into the regular game, you you still have Super Valkyrie. Yes, I remember the that whole game.
0: Yeah, I remember that. With shit. The
2: Super Valkyrie. Yeah, it was great. It was the best
0: way to play. Oh, I love that game. Infinite missiles. That game is so awesome.
2: It's not bad. Uh, but um, oh, there was something else I wanted to say just. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, with regards to nostalgia and like the games that we played back in the day, I think we can all agree either we or someone we knew. Everyone can can attest to this. Someone had Tiger Heli.
0: Not me. See, that's what I'm saying. What? My generation. You're, I remember that. the one this guy. Was, this was another. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. This is another thing. Tiger uh, M2 announces Tiger Heli you know i look around me everyone's like yo and i'm like what the hell's tiger heli uh, where's the <laughs> bat rider you know like that's the kind of person i like i i feel like my at least maybe the own little bubble that i existed in like the, all these games i've never really had a whole nostalgic connection to any of them other than like right maybe other than that you know none of them really hit that nostalgia juice that So I've always felt like that's a bit of a struggle with my channels. I can't really tap into the nostalgia juice too well.
1: Well, it'll evolve though, because everybody's getting older, you know, and eventually us old folks will die and (laughs) you'll have the next generation, you know, and that's also driving like collector prices, you know, the the highest price games, there's the majority of nostalgia for, you know, so Super Nintendo games are really popular and expensive you know, people have forgotten about NES and especially Atari because it's already an older generation. Oh,
0: yeah. I I have a really funny story about that where, I, where I went, I was at a, in like 2016, 2015 or so. I was one of those people who would go to like uh, DI or go to, well, you guys don't know what DI. I'd go to, um, retro, what do you call them? Thrift stores. And I'd buy like old Nintendo games or whatever. And then I'd flop them on eBay. And yeah, you could do great you could do great with N64, Super Nintendo, a little bit with Nintendo, but those were those were popping. You can make a, like 10 or 12 bucks or whatever on those. I went and I found this entire pile of Atari games. I'm talking like a box of Atari games. And the guy's like, you can just have it, you know, whatever. I don't even give a shit. I was like, oh, cool. And I, I was like, coming home, I was like, dollar signs in my eye, like, ding, 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 ding. All these Atari games, I can just flip them on eBay. I go to look on the prices, it's like, 50 cents a dollar i'm like what the hell <laughs> so yeah <laughs> that doesn't quite work with atari unfortunately
2: uh, i think we'll see the time the we'll see a day where that happens with nes as well i
0: think i yeah. believe yeah i i don't think i think uh snes will hang in there though because uh even my generation of people like snes was a big deal so i think that that'll hang in there for quite a while
2: you know what with odd with with very rare exception we're sort of seeing that already with Master System. Oh, that
0: how have they, those prices? Oh, you're t- yeah, I always forget about the master system. Yeah, those like, prices dropping?
2: Well, I mean, they've never really been high. Uh they've risen a little bit, just a little bit. But like the most expensive one that I that I got was like Power Strike 2. How much was that? And it was like 200 bucks. Oh, and I paid for okay. it. <laughs> Which wasn't bad. Like, I knew a guy in New Zealand who knew a guy, and he got it for a good price, and he passed the savings on to me. So, yeah.
0: So, uh, any other thoughts on the nostalgia angle, Junkie? Because I think you had a lot of insight here that I don't want to lose out on.
1: Um, I think I kind of covered it for the most part of what I was thinking. I said it's just, it was the reason I started my channel. It's the, re, you know, it's kind of like the base of what I, where I come from when I make my videos. So if that didn't exist, it would be hard for me to make them. Um, And that's really where I'm coming from. I'm just kind of being true to what's interesting to me. And it's how I decide on my topics and what I want to talk about and what I don't. It's part of why, you know, there's certain things I do and there's certain things I don't, you know, I don't review a lot of certain games, you know, it's one of the, it's, I don't review bad games, not because I don't want to give bad reviews. It's just, I don't have any interest in it. So it's kind of the same thing. If I had to review a game that I hated it or that it sucked or I wasn't interested in, it, it would just be a terrible video because I have no interest in it. So it seems like everything I talk about I love, you know, so that but that's just because I choose to make videos about things I care about or that already interest me.
0: The um, real I guess the real maybe the situation you get yourself kind of a uh, pickled in is something like a a game that's like based on a nostalgia property and then it, it comes out but it's like a newer version of it, and then maybe that might not be all that great. I don't know. I mean, our type final two, I wasn't a fan of, but I don't. May, I don't know if that's really that big of a thing with PC engine games. So maybe you never need to wor- wor- worry about that too much. Yeah, I mean, either way,
1: it's it's just one of those things where I, you know, I don't consider myself a reviewer anyway. So, you know, if I'm making a video, it's because I think it's cool or it's something I want to do a video. Yeah, of. That's true. It's not because oh, true. hey, this game came out, so I need to review it. Yeah. Um, my channel's kind of all over the place with with its content. So, um. All I know is that that's how I decide on what I do. It's what looks awesome or interesting. It's not only nostalgia. I mean, we talk about indie games and new games and things that are awesome that I want to talk about that I want to let people know about. So I try to balance it out a little bit, but at its very core, I mean, myself and my audience are coming from that place, you know, and that's what I tap into with my videos because that's what gets me interested in the first place. I mean, we're not doing this for the money, we're doing it for the hobby. and. If I'm not having fun and doing something I want, then what's the purpose of doing it?
0: Yeah, that. OK, cool, because I wanted to get into this topic to kind of close things out, which is sort of the ups and downs of the YouTube life. And uh, I think all three of us, will. it'll be fun to get all of our thoughts on this because we are, you know, pretty different YouTubers as people and as like channels and everything, even though we all talk about shmup. And so in an interview I did on that a Spanish podcast, which was really fun, uh, they asked me. Mark, are you a full-time YouTuber? It's like, and do you consider yourself a full-time YouTuber? And I, I said, well, unfortunately, as awesome as that would be to be a full-time YouTuber, absolutely not. I'd, I'd, uh, It would not go well financially. No, I have a <laughs> nine to five and everything. But I did say that I consider my YouTube channel my second job. I don't consider it just a hobby. I consider it just a job. And I crossed that line a few years ago, maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago, because the amount of time that it took to invest into this channel was literally like, you cannot justify this as a hobby anymore. And my family are like, okay, you if you're doing this, it's like, okay, you got to do it for real, type of thing. And so, like, I do consider my channel my second job. And I feel like it comes with pros and cons to that, where like you do end up like laying in bed at night thinking about your sub count and shit. Uh, that's kind of a con. But the pro of it is that um, I feel like it's really helped give me clarity as far as my goals, what I'm trying to do. And it's actually easier to justify in my regular life now because like, the, I get a small amount of money for it that I can use to pay bills and crap. And I remember one of my goals when I first decided, okay, I'm going to try and make this sort of a second job, even though I could easily go out and get a real second job and make way money, more money easier. But you know, it's not a passion type thing is that wouldn't it be cool if one day I could pay my rent with my YouTube money like at least once like the f- entire rent and uh, I think I'm coming pretty close to that goal line of being able to pay my rent with my YouTube money and so for me I've always con- I nowadays consider it sort of a second job which has pros and cons but uh, but for you Junk it sounds like it's still more on the hobby side and maybe that's a healthier place um I don't what do you think about that
1: um personally um, mm-hmm. it has to be a hobby on my side because the return on time and investment is so minuscule that it you know, it I, I can't consider it work. I mean, if I took the amount of hours I put into each video and I divide it by what the videos make.
0: Uh-huh. Or, yeah, people don't understand this. Uh,
1: it's you're talking about pennies. So I mean yes. <laughs> you know, it's we're not talking about minimum wage. We're talking about pennies for hours. I mean, it's compared to, you know, what you put into it. Um, So I have to see it as something that I just love doing. And if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, I started this around the COVID time. Um, So I already had been running my own business since 2006. And I'm lucky enough over the last few years to be able to work from home most of the time. Um, And COVID forced me to be be working from home and stay home and not go out anywhere nearly as much as I used to. Um, So I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing if I didn't work from home. And if it was a second job, I couldn't put enough time into it. so really, that's how I see it, because, you know, my main job covers everything that I need to. And I'm, obviously, I'm older, so I'm a little bit more established. Um, And, and so yeah. to be fair, <laughs>
0: that's true. I
1: don't need the income from the YouTube side. Uh, so I'm completely doing it as something I now would I love to be able to do it as a full time job for it to make so much damn money that I didn't have to do anything else. Of course, I mean, that would be awesome. Um, I mean, any of us would love that. But realistically, for that to be the case, we would have to have million insane subscribers
0: insane sub count yeah. it would
1: be it would be you're talking half a million a million it's not attainable with a schmuck channel um no. it could be attainable with something else
0: but i will say uh, i will say this you know and also we live like i'm sure like uh, as human beings we live in like completely different scales of you know financial worlds right but it's, so for me i remember when i was doing this a lot of people were telling me like don't even think about the financial side of things. Don't even think about it. You know, otherwise you're gonna go shoot yourself in the head or something. Like don't even consider it. And so for a long time I didn't. And then I felt like, okay, I'm going to sort of branch out a little bit just to make that little bit of extra money. But I will say for me, like there is no way I can just walk out from my regular job and be like, peace, I'm going to be on YouTube, bitches. Like that's not going to happen. But it actually does help me financially in a way that I was surprised by. Like it does actually month to month i'm like paying bills with my youtube money like it makes a difference to me but um what do, it's what great do you, yeah what it's, do you think it's great oh go ahead junkie
1: no i didn't really have that much left to say except i was saying it's great that you know you can get to the point where at least it's doing something where you can do something you love and on top of that it's helping out with the bills you know yeah regardless of whether you can justify the amount of time you put into it or not because like i said you could get any other job job
0: in like five seconds to make way more money A lot (laughs) than you'd
1: be paying but you wouldn't be enjoying it and you wouldn't be
0: doing something that you know something important right yeah and i I guess i guess what i'm trying to get at here junkie is like this is coming from a place of fondness for your channel just so you know is one of my fears that i've seen over the years is that people who do it as a hobby like they have this sort of initial like there's a channel like this of if you're listening, shout outs, my, my dude, I miss you. But uh, Schmup Master, actually, your channel and his channel remind me of each other quite a bit, and he had great video editing too. And he, you know, he had his own thing he did in his own life, and he kind of did this as a hobby. And then once that passion is sort of gone, and once you kind of once the rubber meets the road of okay, this isn't fun anymore, like boom, you know, it's just done, or they kind of pack up and move on. And uh, that that's one thing that I felt like, well, at least you know. For me like having that financial stake in it gives me that little extra push to be like okay even when I'm feeling burned out or even when I'm feeling like you know my fans are you know I'm pissing too many people off or I feel lost as far as what direction to take the channel or whatever like having that sort of stake has helped me like with clarity as far as okay I'm still getting some kind of payback here so it keeps that motivation there but I guess what I'm wondering is like do you do you anticipate there might come a time in the near future where you're like, I'm just kind of, you know, I've said everything I have to say, or do you think, or is it like you're getting more and more invested and it's like bringing you in more? You're asking me? Yes, I am.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say the answer is both. Um, I am enjoying it and I am getting more invested and I want to make it something special and keep creating. Um, but at the same time, like I said, if there does come a time where, you know, I think I've done everything I'd like to do, or I'm not enjoying it as much anymore. Um, I'll have no bones about hanging it up. Um, at the same time, I'm not going to leave people hanging. It's, you know, you know, all of the people that are enjoying my content that much, you know, means a lot to me. So that is true. Yeah. Um, it's not one of those things where, and, and with any, yeah, I can tell with the comments. So it's not one of those things where I'm just going to be all of a sudden disappear and just not care. Um, you know, I would do it the right way, uh, but I would do it. And I think that's important for all of us in life. Like no matter what, it's not just our channels, but anything you, at some point we all move on to something else, you know, right, classic yeah. gamer moved on. And you know, there came a time where it wasn't right for him to continue anymore. Um And everyone makes that decision for themselves. But if that, I said, it definitely is at, at least at this point is not a financial source. So it's not going to keep, I'm not going to continue do what I'm doing for the extra money. It's if I'm doing it, it's because I love doing it. And I think we're building something and I'm going to keep doing it until, until I don't want to do it anymore.
0: Yeah, I, I I this is something I think about almost on a daily basis. So maybe that's why I'm asking you about it. But Ed, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Being around through this whole, whole wild ride of YouTube. Uh, what have, what's been your sort of relationship as far as do you view your channel as sort of like a part of your lifestyle now? Or is it still kind of a job? Like, a, do you consider a in job as well? Or what do you think?
2: I do consider it a second job, but only as an extension of. I've kind of got it like a small media empire.
0: <laughs> right, that's <laughs> true.
2: for for those of uh, For those of you not in the know, I do a lot of music as well. And uh, for a time, I was actually contracted through a local firm, and I was doing, I was pulling thousand dollar paychecks from these guys for composing uh, video game music and making sound. Uh, but the work dried up and i I had to resort to uh, becoming a bottle slinger at a local depot so now i'm working full-time breaking my back uh, because there's no other work and this is the last sort of vestige of creative work i've got left right uh, i don't yeah. even compose that much music anymore uh if i'm totally honest i've sort of been falling back on my uh my back catalog of i've made about 280 pieces of music for youtube um, with another maybe I think I did something like a hundred and well anywhere from like 100 to 200 pieces for this other firm so around 500 pieces is what I've done over the course of maybe 20 years or so but yeah freelance
0: um, stuff is a brutal brutal yeah. brutal environment yeah one day but you're like, there one day they're like peace brother you know and that was that
2: yeah but I mean I've gotten PlayStation 4s out of it <laughs> I've paid the rent. I've, uh, I've done, um, uh, I've gotten some, i i w I've been really dumb with my money. I bought Koryun for like 680 bucks. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've done, uh, I've done great things with the, with it and I've done stupid things with it, but the most important thing with, uh, with what I'm doing with YouTube specifically is that it is helping perpetuate it. Um, I'm able to get stuff that I'm interested in covering without having to rely on publishers
0: or um that is true. Or donations That's donations or whatever one. Yeah. that's a big one for the review game yeah like i just spent like, publishers- 65 bucks on death Smiles for the third time i'm like <laughs> dear god my wallet's yelling at me like what are you doing bro <laughs>
2: i I have a really good relationship with a couple of big physical publishers and we do get hooked up frequently from them. And at the beginning of any of my videos that I do any uh, anything from a publisher, I always say that it's made because of a copy provided by XYZ Publisher. Right. But I've always stuck to a, a no bullshit policy. If I like the game, I'll say it. And if I don't like it, I'm going to call it out.
0: Yeah. And I'm. Um, I, have you... Not to mention specific publishers, but like, I always wondered, like, maybe maybe I was pissing too much people off at Nintendo Life with my negative reviews because maybe I was pissing off the publishers. They're like, bro, <laughs> stop having this dude write negative reviews about us or whatever. <laughs> have you, when you've done, because I don't really have any sort of publishers that reach out to me all that often. uh, Do you feel like it's easy to navigate that or is it at times kind of sticky because you're like, uh... Maybe you don't want to send me this game this time around or have that has that been an easy thing to because I've been thinking <laughs> about this. I've been worrying about this. I sit night worrying about this like, oh, my God, what if publishers want to start sending me stuff? What do I do?
2: Yeah, there there have been a couple of times where I've been like, I don't know if these guys are going to contact me again. I'm pretty sure that I'm responsible for sending Kayak under. Um, RXN Raijin was not a very good game. Oh, yeah, eyes. I remember that game. There was just too much going against it, and I, I'm going to be honest. It was the most the I was super hyped up for that game. I would you, you couldn't measure the amount of excitement I had to play this game. It looked great, but getting hands on, man, ooh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't great, and I had I had to rail it. I had to point out all of its flaws in painstaking detail, and in, in a way that, in a way that no one but Bullet Heaven can do, <laughs> and um. And yeah, um, I, I haven't heard anything from Kayak since. And I think they're I think they're done. I think the yeah. the last little bits now are being handled by East
0: Asia. So. And one thing I've always been worried about with this sort of stuff is like, for instance, um, I'll get people contact uh, contacting me maybe to like review their indie shmup or whatever. And I sit again. It's another thing I sit up at night worrying about like, oh, my God luckily it's it's turned out okay most of the times like i haven't had to destroy anyone's games too badly but i remember the first time this came up was with this uh game called uh demons tilt which was this pinball game oh, yeah. and it's a cruel game it's a great game actually and i was so nervous because i was like what if this game absolutely sucks and then i've got to dis- just because the guy was really nice and i had him on the podcast and i was like Okay, what if I have to like destroy his game to his face, you know? <laughs> like he's on the podcast, I'm like, "Yeah, but your game sucks, bro." But luckily it was a great game, so I didn't run into that. But I do worry about that a lot with that sort of thing where like like maybe in case in some cases I'd be doing you a favor not reviewing your game, you know? It's like you send me your game, it's like, "Maybe you don't want me to review this because if I <laughs> if you get like three reviews and one of them is me just bashing on it or being critical of it, I mean, that could be that could be not a fun time but then it i don't know i get caught up in that a lot worrying about that as far as where is that where is that line between like being fair but not being like brutal you know so that that's always I, been I, tough for me i
2: will add actually i'll add that uh, i never really thought um i i never really got hung up on whether or not i would feel uncomfortable reviewing another game or uh, whether or not i would uh, face how to say a uh, fierce opposition on my final decisions on a game until series 11
0: what and that what, is, what game was it
2: it was a game co- i don't know if i should say it or not
0: well you reviewed it though as, right what was your review i did yeah
2: i did but uh oh it was a game is,
0: it was okay I, I get what you're saying i i don't
2: want to i i don't i don't think i want to bring the game up because of the way that it was handled on the publisher side um it was the first and only time that a publisher it was an indie an indie guy right he he begged me he begged me to delete the review
0: oh yeah that that could be that could be tough yeah to be in and that. i said
2: no i yeah, i will not that. i will not budge
0: on it well uh, that's my fear game or that's my fear that is my my fear is like some guy some indie guy sends me his shmup and then you know let's say i give it a negative review right and then he messages me like bro i'm i'm like eating ramen noodles now because you destroyed my my financial prospects i'm like oh shit but at the same time i don't want to be a shill and be and just pretend something's good when it's yeah. not and have my fans buy something and then they're like what the hell mark so that's always the part that's the part that worries me the most and i worry about the most with this sort of stuff is like that fi- keeping that line clear but without without being You know brutal but it's it's tricky
2: the thing that punctuated the whole thing though is that um it's not not even the fact that he reacted that way is that in the review we actually said hey the ideas here are really good they just have to be tweaked and fine-tuned and there were some really great ideas like this particular game let you unlock uh 3d printable models so like if, if you, if you achieved a certain, uh, a certain achievement in the game, you could 3d print the game over skull. It was a cool idea. More, more thing, more companies need to do this 3d printable bonuses that you can that unlock cool. in the game. That's cool. That's a great idea, but he didn't see that. He He didn't hear that. He didn't hear all the things that we said. Good. He only heard the negatives and he, he doubled down. He didn't do a thing with the game.
0: Yeah, that the reviewing game is it's a tricky it's a tricky balance. Now, I don't think I totally have the answers yet, but it is a tricky balance as far as uh what what to say, what not to say, what what's fair, what's not fair, all that stuff. And there's not really an easy guidebook to it. And I'm a reviewer,
1: I, like I said before, and only talking about things that I enjoy anyway, but I have gotten into situations where somebody sent me something and I didn't like it, or it's not that I didn't like it, but it had issues. Yeah. Um, and the best thing that I did was I just got in touch with them. And I said, "Look, you know, I really like this. I really like that, but these are the these are the results. I think I even mentioned it to you once, Mark. I'm yeah, not going to yeah. say the name, but right. I mean, I feel bad because they sent me a $600 product. That is, um, and, that and is and my I,
0: nightmare. You have no, and, I, you know, I, I, went, you know, I. was
1: like, yeah, you know, I, I can. There's all these great things I want to say about it. There's all these things I really like about it, but. You know, it doesn't perform. And as soon as I mention that in my video, you know, most of my subs are going to say, ah, no way, no way I'm paying that kind of money for something like that. So it's not going to do you any good. Do you want me? Are you sure you want me to review this? And they said, no, it's probably better. Is it you're not? And I said, absolutely. Because I wasn't going to spend, I mean, I wasn't going to spend 40, 50, 60 hours putting a, you know, at least. Yeah, I know.
0: You know, yeah. putting a video
1: together like that and then having them, you know, not want it or take it down. So I let them know up front. And that's kind of what happened.
0: Um, yeah. And so I've run
1: into that before to a
0: certain extent. But yeah. And I think you're going to start running into it more because your channel is popping off and people are going to, the dollar signs are going to be flashing in people's eyes. And they're going to be sending you, you know, <laughs> you're going to be reviewing mobile games soon. They're going to be sending you mobile games like, yo, bro.
1: Check out our mobile game. <laughs> interested. I won't do it. And if it sucks, like I said, I'm going to give them the option because yeah. a I don't want I don't enjoy doing a video about something that sucks.
0: Oh yeah. Because at either. the day
1: it's just not a good video. I'm. It's not going to be a good product because I'm not going to enjoy it as much. So it just won't be edited as well. It won't be scripted as well. Like it just doesn't excite me. You know that defeats the purpose. So yeah. You know, I, and that's why I said our channels are so different because you know Ed is a real reviewer. I mean he reviews everything every game right, and he yeah. deals with the
0: consequences of that and there is yeah. a value to that that people don't understand yeah. of like people like for for this is another thing that i really hope people can understand with a uh, studio mud prints and just um like the entire catalog of his reviews over the years and um, all that stuff is that a great option select that a lot of youtubers take these days is never reviewing anything that's you know if you consider yourself like a reviewer if that's like one of the things you do is like never reviewing anything negatively or if it's if it's a negative review you don't you temper it or you just don't cover it at all and then like you don't hit that backlash of angry people yelling at you about your r-type final two review or whatever it is but at the same time like if everyone starts to do that and we've seen that with just larger gaming journalism. Everyone starts to do that. Then you get this sort of like club that appears where, I don't know, it starts to feel very insular. And then people like people are buying things and they're not realizing it until it's too late. Like, oh, crap, this wasn't that good. But uh, it's a, like it's a service. Like What I'm trying to say, it's like a service to the community. Like it is a service to people out there to warn them, oh, okay, don't buy this, this this could be a problem. But uh it's not a glamorous profession. It's not glamorous to do it, but uh I do think it, it has value that people don't immediately pick up on.
2: Yeah. I I have backed off a little on uh certain uh, certain aspects of the reviewing process though. Um starting with series thirteen this year. Um no numbered there, there's no numbers at the end of it. Um for the first time since like series three, so you're not gonna get a five out a uh, five out of five four to Oh my five gosh five, you know, numbers yeah, that's what I've done point. instead it's still you can still kind of guess where the where the number might be sort of if you if you want to be creative about it, but now it's uh you know uh must play is like the highest rating, and then highly recommended would be like a gold, and then worth playing is a silver then like a questionable game is bronze yeah, yeah, and then like a game that you should avoid is the black X, you know that's that's the one that that's actually the rarest type of review, an avoid I, yeah, because I, there, there are very, very few of those,
0: yeah, like usually because those types of games they don't get enough even push to even show up on your radar right like those yeah. those steam games from hell like they're not even showing up on our radar so usually if someone's appearing on our radar there is usually some quality to it now where that quality is is that's where it gets the you, you know rubber meets the road type of thing but yeah. i i think that's a great direction ed because i have grown to hate numbered reviews and not because i'm trying to be a hipster but because you cannot communicate things with numbers anymore because it's been so inflated basically there's only like three numbers it's like seven eight nine or ten right like if you if you put a four nine or ten really eight nine or ten right like those are the real numbers anything below anything yeah yeah, like i what i i don't even know what some of my scores were because the scores were uh revised let's say but um i remember though i gave like i gave a game like a ten It was a a Darius Cosmic Collection. I gave it a 10 because I was like, all right, this thing is, you know, this is a 10 if I've ever seen one, right? But that was like, no, no, you can't just give Darius Cosmic Collection a 10, right? You can't do that. So, it's because it's not 100%, you know, it's not the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, or I guess, or whatever the the logic is. But at the same time, like, you give something a 2, that's like basically saying you should go arrest the developer, send him to jail, because like 2s, who gets a 2? You know, that's like, a completely useless number. Really, it starts at seven, seven, eight, nine, or 10. And then if you give people, if you give something like a five, that would, like, if logically that would say, oh, this is an average release. This is kind of like, eh, you know, it's on the line. You could buy it, you could not buy it. But you give something a five today, again, it's like you want to punch the developer in the face or something as far as like how insulting it is to people. So that's why I think avoiding the review system, the number system is a great idea because you can't really communicate what you're trying to communicate with numbers anymore because it's so yeah. inflated and all over the place.
2: It also kind of forces the audience to sort of think for themselves a little bit rather than relying on somebody's opinion entirely.
0: Yeah. And people get caught up on numbers too, man. Like yeah. you give something a seven, you know, I remember one review I gave something like a on Nintendo life. Cause you have to give them numbers. I gave something like a nine and then I gave something else a nine and I said, one was better than the other. I was like and someone's like hey what the hell here why did you give that thing a 10 I was like well because I wasn't allowed to give it a 10 that's why so they're both (laughs) nines now so yeah yeah numbers I think will the 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 advantage of them of course is like the Metacritic stuff getting into Metacritic but since I have had no luck trying to go down that avenue and I think that's mostly you have to be sort of like a print to get into there right or do you
2: yeah, I think I think there there's like there has to be a print element to it. I'm sure yeah. if I did something with like press pause, but even press pause now is uh is numberless. So Right, yeah. We we got rid of that last year. The turning point for me was the hyper dual review. And that was it. Um I knew that I had to do something after I got I took so much flack for it because like I it was a good game, but like it wasn't life changing, you know? What what number <laughs> did you give it? I think I gave it like three point seven five. Out of five? Which out of five it wasn't it wasn't a terrible so review, that's like
0: a it's like a seven i'm yeah. trying to i'm trying to do it in numbers here it's like a. are in tens, seven point you know. five seven point five eight yeah, yeah. so that's like an which so like in your brain that's like a positive review but like i'm saying in the brains yeah. of metacritic that's did, like a negative review <laughs> you son of a I bitch i did call it
2: the year's I did call it the year's uh, biggest disappointment, though, just because like, it was so hyped up. Everyone was like, You gotta play this game. And I'm like, Okay, I'll buy it. So I bought it and it was expensive. And I'm like, Oh, this how is much it?
0: was it? it was like 600 bucks. What? What the hell is yeah, this? It what is this? Game. Yeah. So going against
1: nostalgia because it's, it's a nostalgic game by TechnoSoft. There's a lot of people that really like it. And so you're gonna get. Oh, that kind it's, of so it's a retro yeah. game. It is, yeah.
2: Oh, is that uh, the one where the it's thing, like a though, mech? Like, is it the one where you're yeah. in a mech? It's kind of like Macross without the middle form. Oh, okay. A little bit. So, like, already other games have done kind of what it does. <laughs> but, like, I couldn't understand how everyone, like, loved this game and
0: and just oh, sung its, it's a praises. Mech. It's a mech. That's why. Like, yeah. mechs are awesome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> with Without vaulting uh, Technosoft's own Blast Wind and Thunder Force 5 above it. Because in my eyes, those two are better games. There's more nuance to them.
0: Yeah, people don't understand that, though. It, like, people yeah. don't understand with numbers that Dig- they're, not in deep, in a, right? <laughs> they're not in a vacuum. People, th- like, this is yeah. another thing, too, that why I think it's good to get away from numbers. is because, yes, because in your brain, you're like, well, I gave Thunder Force 4 of 8 or whatever. So I can't give it more than an 8 because Thunder Force 4 is an 8. But in the in the brains of your viewers, they think you gave Thunder Force 4 like an, a 12 out of 10. So they don't need to worry about that. And so this should be a 7. <laughs> right? So all those problems yeah. start to come up when you start using those numbers. But I, I, what I'm saying is I think that's a wise decision. So to f- close out the episode, I thought let's get um, from each of you the biggest highlight of your YouTubing life so far. Like what was the biggest like hell yes moment? And then what's been the biggest like Oh, screw this moment. Like the, the high, the biggest high and the lowest low for each of you. I'm to go first. Yeah. Start with it. junkie.
2: <laughs> I got to sure. think about it.
1: <laughs> well, the highest high, well, the highest high is easy because that's actually going on right now. Um, not so much on the YouTube side, but just the project that I'm working on, which Mark knows a little bit about because mm-hmm. it was you know just announced yesterday with what we're doing with Toa Plan. Um, Just this whole thing of you know, I've been working with, you know, Japan and, you know, yeah, ToaPlan with super cool with Tatsuyu Amura and and uh, Masahiro Yuge and, um, you know, my counterpart in Japan.
0: What, um, what on when you say finally, counterpart, like a Japanese YouTuber? Uh,
1: well, I wouldn't call him my counterpart. No, he's not a YouTuber at all. But he's oh, okay. he's basically a friend in Japan. Oh, okay. Who, who knows these individuals and who's friends with them and has been wanting to put a documentary together for a long time with them and has been working on this project, um, and brought me in several months ago. Um, that so I've been working with him on it, and you know we finally went live and it's this huge thing, and we've got the
0: Kickstarter up oh, and, yeah.
1: and you know, if people it'll the,
0: like if we, yeah oh sorry I'm if it
1: doesn't happen it'll be the lowest low
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> shit yeah okay well because give I, us a give us some hard numbers here what. What's it at now and where does it need to go? Well, it literally just went live yesterday. I mean, it's
1: been barely 24 hours. Um, the Kickstarter goal is $75,000 because that's what it's going to take Holy to make it happen. Smokes. I mean, this is a full on professional documentary. It's not just a YouTube video that I'm yeah. putting together. You know, I'm, <laughs> right, just, right. I'm just a part of the puzzle. You know, I'm going to do the editing and I'm, you know, co directing with my friend. But I mean, this involves you know Toa Planet, involves M two, it involves Manabu Namiki,
0: it involves you oh know my God. huge
1: names in the industry.
0: Yeah. Um, so you and, like walk into the M two, you could potentially walk into M two studios stuff.
1: Well, if I'm in Japan, I could. I mean, I'm not, yeah. but I mean, he's the one that's going to be you know interviewing them and has and you know all that stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just it's such an exciting project and it's so important that yeah you know it's just you know awesome to be part of it. And you know, at the same time, it could not happen. I mean, you know, yeah, we're right. doing well for, I think we're up to like fifteen or sixteen thousand in the first twenty four hours. Oh, you're cooking. Of, you know, the seventy-five thousand we have to do. But I mean what's the cutoff date? It there. It's a long way to go. And it, it could happen, it could not happen. So, you know, we'll just gonna see where it goes.
0: What is the cutoff date on this?
1: It's thirty something days. So I mean it'll be the end of January. So we've oh, got okay. till the end of January to get it out there and just get As many people in the entire community to know about it, you know, whether through magazines and, you know, everybody else. And I'm sure all the people involved will do their part. You know, at some point, M2 will hopefully promote it and some of these other guys will, but, um, you know, everyone wants to see it happen. It's just a matter of can we generate enough money to make it happen? Are there enough people in the community to do that? You know, I mean, we're selling signed PCBs, you know, half of which are already gone. Um, you God know, damn. signed Mega Drive games, you know, stuff by them, you know, so it's, we're just gonna see how, how far we can take it. I mean, everybody's excited. And, you know, it'll be a huge bummer if we can't reach that goal for everybody.
0: Yeah, I know. Fundraising. Brutal, brutal stuff. <laughs> but I mean, that's got a really cool name attached to it with Toplan. People love Toplan. Okay.
1: So let's leave the lowest low open for now. Like I said, right now, it's the highest high because it's, you know, it's not something I ever even imagined, you know, being able to do or being a part of, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, Being able to talk to these guys and literally, you know, I mean, not directly because unfortunately I don't speak Japanese, but through my friend I can. Um, but being part of it and making it happen. So I think we'll all be bummed if it doesn't. But we're not thinking that way right now. We just launched and we're going to do our best, damn it.
0: Yeah. Well, you don't have to feel bad until it's already happened. Like, that's always my rule. It's like, you don't have to feel bad until it actually goes bad. Then you're like, uh, damn it. <laughs> but so far, it's looking good. So far, um, things seem to be popping off as they should.
1: Yeah. And then so that's where we are. At least, you know, that's my answer to the question. Um, head's next on this one.
0: Well, I uh, I have to say, okay, um, I'm not going to let you go yet. Um, oh, okay. So <laughs> your channel's been like popping off and everything. So. I, I, I definitely understand, like, maybe you never have, like, a moment that stands out to you as, like, oh, this sucks because uh, your your channel's so awesome. But has there been a moment of, like, burnout where you're, like, sitting there editing a certain video, like, what am I doing? <laughs> what did that ever occur as far as, like, pure just man hour drain?
1: Um, to a point, I mean, I think, you know, with the with the videos that I've put together that, you know, I put a ton of time into and you just think they're going to do really well and you have a great product and it doesn't. I mean, it's very discouraging, you know, and I've just learned not to buy into it too much. You know, I mean, it's happened. It's happened with the worst shmups video and other ones. And it's one of those things where you're you're really disappointed for a certain amount of time. And I'm like, you know, but I'm not going to let that stop me, you know, like, you know, you try to look at the big picture you try to look at, but look at all these other videos you did that are really great, you know, look how your channel's doing overall, you know, so there is a positive side to it. Um, you know, so you get bummed and you, you know, you kind of need to take a couple of days and step back and, you know, it's, it's basically a rejection of your work. I mean, it's your yeah. art, it's something yeah. that you put a lot of time into and, you know, when, and it's not, not getting ignored, but it, it doesn't do what you expect. And yes, you know, it, it That's just the life of what we do. So I've learned to deal with that better now that I've had to, you know, go through it. Not nearly as much as, you know, you guys have been doing this a lot longer than I have. So it's a it's a learning process for me, just like anybody else.
0: Yeah. And I do hope people check that video out because you did you did a ton of work on that video. And I love the little intro song and everything. And I do think, really, I don't think it was people watch the video and like three seconds in, they're like, no. I think it was that people are lame and they're like, "Oh, it's worst," and so I won't click on it, but click on it, damn it, it's a good video. So, Ed, you're up next. Highest high and well, low low.
2: I think the highest high uh would have to have been being approached by a number of individuals to provide music for uh shoot 'em ups and shoot 'em up projects. Um my for a while it was no secret that my YouTube platform was it was basically a dual platform for the music that I was doing as well. But again, 280 uh, 280 um uh tracks are on uh, on my uh Bandcamp page alone uh, that were just made for YouTube. Um basically uh I've been a part of the uh My Life in Gaming M2 documentary, the M2 complete works. Oh, were you uh, yeah, they can they curated that's awesome a bunch documentary. of documentary. B- a bunch of the tunes in there were curated by them and I did a couple of unique pieces uh for that's the really project. Cool. Uh you can still see we with the old uh, the old Sarah Flash uh title in the beginning, it says uh what what was it? Musical Cho Sarah Flash, which is musical Super Soldier.
0: That's cool. Um, that's a underrated documentary.
2: Uh, and then, of course, I did the the soundtrack, and then a Arang- uh, ultra arrange plus tracks for Shieldmade uh, Shieldmade MX recently. Oh, that's cool! As, awesome, as Music. Well. you did a great job. That's that's some of my best work, I think. Uh, I have really experimented with some uh, some neat sound sets. I, I bought three different uh, three new packs just to put into three new tracks for uh, for that game. So uh, that was a lot of fun to do. Got a lot of good feedback from the creators so it sort of drove me to do even better <laughs> and by extension they actually in- improved their game to match the music it was kind of a back and forth so the the final product i think is is pretty choice it is and um, i
1: type it a little bit for you like in the video i did for it like i was like this the music in this game is awesome it was done by you know studio mud
2: Prince by ed you should really check yeah. it out yeah it's uh it's, I've gotten gotten a lot of good uh, kind words for the uh, the soundtrack. Have you heard the ultra range track arranged uh, tracks yet? No, I haven't. I didn't know there were there was ultra range tracks yet. I'll, I'll send you a link.
0: Do you have to unlock yeah. them? What's that? Do you have to unlock no, the ultra no. range?
2: No, they, they actually added them in a free update. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, when you play through it, uh, the subsequent loops have the new arranged tracks. There's three. There's the core tracks and then two sets of arranged tracks within the game so plenty to listen to. Um I also did arranged tracks for Ghostblade HD and I did a an arranged album for Ducks 1.5 on Dreamcast. So those are a couple of other uh, of other projects that I've done just purely through uh getting uh, people getting in contact with me through uh, through my YouTube link uh lowest low i almost died last year <laughs> and things sort of like my coming to uh, to terms with my my mortality sort of drove me into a really dark place so i sort of imploded around october uh it was a really low low there was a time where i almost hit the nuclear button and was almost done with it completely
0: oh yeah your channel um, went offline for a few
2: yeah there was there was a good chance that it wasn't going to come back um, because, you know, I, I figured if I'm not going to be around anyway, who cares?
0: Well, I remember during that time, people were messaging me about like uh, your channel going offline and everything. And I think I talked about it on like a po- a Patreon podcast episode. So 12 people heard it. But I was saying that, well, surprisingly, I felt a good amount of empathy for you because I was, I was going through a similarly, not as difficult at the time, but I was going through a hard time with just like getting a lot of backlash over like everything I did. Everyone's just mad at me all the time. And I was saying that I was saying to people that when you're in the eye of the storm of YouTube, like you don't see the people who like what you do as as clearly you see the people who are mad at you like front and center in your brain all the time. Like, you know, that just rises up to you and is like constantly on your thoughts. And you you start to like lose the ability. It's not even just like mental, like you physically like people don't just randomly message you and say, yo, you're sick, bro. You're, you're fucking awesome. I love you. That <laughs> doesn't happen. That never happens or it happens now and again, but not that often. But you will get me- people man- randomly messaging you like mad at you. Like that happens way more often. So you you start to lose the ability to see the people who appreciate what you do. And the people who are mad at you just become front and center constantly. And so you're, so then you start to feel like everyone's just mad at you all the time. I felt that way where every, every time I logged on to Discord or I put up a video, I just felt like everyone's mad at me all the time. And then people, then I'll message people and be like, well, I'm not mad at you. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. So I actually felt a good amount of sympathy because when you're in sort of the center of things at times, you, you can't really see like, like if you deleted your channel, the the thousands of people would be like sad about it. Right. You could you would see the you can only see the people yelling at you all the time being like, oh, you suck. Delete your channel or whatever they say, you know, so I don't think yeah, you, well, I don't, and you can't I don't really a- appreciate that until you have the YouTube channel experience. Because I remember I listened to an interview with Mark from Classic Game Room, not me, Mark from Classic Game Room. And he was talking <laughs> about all this stuff. And this was when before I had a YouTube channel, before I was in all that, all that stuff. And I remember listening to it like, bro, what are you even talking about? Everyone loves you. Everyone loves your channel. Everyone talks about how great your channel is. This guy is just tripping. Like, what's his problem? And then I got into the YouTubing side of things and they start to realize, oh, okay, I see what he means now. Like, you, he doesn't know how many people love his channel. He only sees the however many people constantly yelling at him all the time.
2: Yeah. Um so, yeah, uh, th- that that sort of uh, environment compounded with, uh, you know, having a heart attack at 38 was kind of like not a great, not a great time for me.
0: Right. Yeah, definitely. So I
2: collapsed. I, I collapsed like a like a poorly made flan.
0: Well, like I'm, think that I'm, I'm glad that your channel is but... definitely still around. I'm definitely relieved to see that, you know, because it is, yeah. a, it oh, is a great it is a great piece of schmupping history, right? Like, it's super important. Hey,
2: I your think. words, not mine.
0: Yes. You can write, like, you know, on the the part where you have, like, about, you can put a little quote, an important part of shmupping history, according to shmup expert, Mark. You can put that <laughs> I'll on your about that. section. <laughs>
2: I'll, put, I'll put that in there right now. <laughs> I think we've had
1: conversations like that. I've told you the same thing, you know, yeah. how important your channel is and has been. So I think we're both glad that it's still there, let alone you, obviously.
0: So I'll, I'll, uh. I'll go with my highest high and lowest low, and they're actually pretty related. So my highest high, I'm going to cheat and do two because I'm, it's my podcast and I make the rules. So I'm going to cheat and do two answers. The first answer is absolutely the Dodonpachi score glitch reveal in Shmup Slam 2. That was a dream come true. I cannot tell you how obsessed I was with that glitch. I, for months, like pace my room, being like, what's the glitch? I'd open my window, yell out the window, what's the glitch? You know, I just couldn't get over what is this glitch? I could not get over it. And uh to finally have that be revealed to the world was deeply, deeply satisfying to me. So that was definitely part one. And then two was in the last Shmup Slam, where there was it was during the uh Katsupachi run that the people tuning in decided, let's just start donating piles of money to Shmup Slam for some reason. And so all of a sudden people are just donating all this money, and I was, it blew like it's hard to communicate it at the time when it's happening, but it, it literally blew my mind. I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, why are people donating to Smupslam? Why would they do that? Why would you donate to Schmupslam? You know And so that, that was a huge highlight for me because why it was such a huge highlight for me, not just because I'm all about the money? but because after that I could walk out of my little shed walk into the house and be like yo I made I made money and everyone in my family were like what you made money I'm like I made money you know it was like a validation of the channel so those are my two highs and I have two lows um the first low is 100% my fault and I can't blame anyone myself and it still to this day bothers me which is during Shmup slam no, it was during the Shmup Kumite. Um, this was Shmup Duels. Plasmo and I think it was Trap had a duel where they... Or was it Shmup Flam? I can't remember. It was one of these events. Um, had a duel where they're playing Hakameka Fighter and Plasmo loves this game. He talks about it all the time. It's a underrated, deeply underrated game. Well, I accidentally restreamed his video, not him like, they're playing live, but I accidentally restreamed, like, some random replay of his. So, like, the entire run is Trap playing live, and then his replay, you know, because I didn't... I just messed up on the URL or whatever. I And so, people didn't see his live run. I was able to sort of edit this later on a little bit, but that bothered me because, uh, you know, for one, I... Plasma actually participating. I was really excited about that. And then I totally screwed him over on accident. I could not get over that for a long time. So that was a huge low. It was accidentally and like with Shmup Slams now, I like quadruple check the URLs to make sure I'm not restreaming some random video. And then the second low was in my efforts to reveal to the world the Dodonpachi score glitch, I sort of pissed off WTN and wtn is my favorite player of all time so it'd be like if you're a basketball fan and you pissed off michael jordan or something and i don't know if wtn is still mad at me or not but uh that's always that was kind of a i always regretted that uh cuz i think it was just a cultural clash a, like a misunderstanding or whatever it is cuz he was annoyed that i was like saying that he should reveal what the glitches or whatever so that those that was my those are my two lows and i hope wtn one day likes me <laughs> maybe he probably won't but those that's my highs and lows i'd really like to thank you two for coming on the episode i had a lot of fun i think hopefully people will tune in and enjoy it uh, any final thoughts before we head out
2: or like the triforce of Schmups? that's right
0: so Shmup i call Junkie i call the, the 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 blue one
2: triforce of courage for your hmm. spicy takes
0: yes i'll take that i'm and
2: definitely I'm is- so i Sh- mean whatever that means for whatever that's worth your try a force of power for your gigantic subs sub counts. <laughs>
0: yeah. Amount the power, the, pow- the editing power too. the editing power is mighty.
2: Try, try force of
0: wisdom on my side. Yeah. You've been around, you've been through been it all. The block a few times. Yeah. I like that. No, we should make that a thing. Any final thoughts junkie?
1: Gosh. Um, well, it was good being on here and it was good having the conversation. Uh, like I said, I, I'm so new to this that, you know, my perspective is very, I wouldn't use the word ignorant, but it's definitely, you know, i only having done this for a year and a half, you know, it's, it's easy to be bright eyed and positive about things when you're new to, to anything. Um, but it's and refreshing that's, too, that's but it's really deeply refreshing.
0: Well. You know what I mean? So, I, I, I do have to say it's deeply refreshing. And I do think your entrance into the shmupping world has been a good thing for all of us. Like, you brought a whole new energy to the scene that I don't think would have existed otherwise. So uh,
1: I'm hoping it's helping everyone and, and And I said, I'm just, for me, it's just something I'm enjoying right now. And I'm just going to ride the tide and enjoy it as much as I possibly can and help everyone else. I possibly can as long as I can until it's not until it's time to stop. So that's where I'm at.
0: I looked at my analytics today when we're talking about like the age demographics and on the side, it's like, most frequent crossover channels or whatever—it's like at the top, Schmup Junkie by like a mile. <laughs> it's like, so yeah, your channel's existence deeply helps my channel. That's there's no well, doubt about that.
1: Me get started, and when I was nothing and I had almost no subs, you know, so I owe a lot of it to you as well. So
0: I don't know if I fully believe that, but I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel it anyway. I mean, like I said I was—I didn't even have a thousand subs yet or barely—and you had me on your channel and podcast and. And mentioned me. Like I said, you kind of showed me the ropes when I was
0: just figuring things out. Yeah, it was a... Yeah, it's always... It's been a lot of fun, uh, our collaborations over the over the year or two. Uh, any final thoughts, Ed?
2: No, I don't think so. I think we've covered everything that we could.
0: Well, my final thought for Ed is do not miss his Star Fox one-handed run in Shmup Slam 5, because I'm going to be on the mic, he's going to be on the pad, or the, the stick, or whatever you want to call it, and... Uh, we're going to be having some Star Fox action. Super L5. <laughs> the, super, the Super L5. Adrian, the one handed bandit. Alrighty. Well, adios, everyone. Adios. Yes. Oh. See ya. So thank you to the $5 patrons 100, 100 Dingo another Joe Anthony A Aaron Iodice Aaron Solus Ben Blur STG Borgie22 Brian Reboot Brian Shiver Chris Yuzefovich, Chronic Burnout3 Corey Mark Daniel Savage Darren Griffin Delta Tango6 Disco Stars Leia DJ420 Praise It Dubs Entropy Eric H FCK Full Set Retro Schmupper Houseu Ilya Kiwi JLab JB RPG Joe Angelo John Kelly Gameboy Guru K K2 Kiko Man 589 Larridge Malays Mark Tom's Maz, Megadeth, Minong, Mechalin, Mitchell Y, Queen Charlene, Nathaniel Davis, and Electron Neon Dagger Games, Okola Kugels, Philip Mason, Portal Six Three, Rattocat, Raul, Real Scheme, Riff Mason, Shane Sintenski, SLW, The Boot Rex, The Real Ikuzo, The Dirty Screech, The Old Bensta, TRM, Sugumo, Twilight EX, Plasmo, and Yutagaya. Thanks for watching.